It's okay. I remember what we talked about. You, something about a bear. <laughs> it probably won't be that bad. <clears throat> okay. Let's do this. Welcome to the show. This is my show. Thanks for tuning in. Here it comes again. Hello, 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 hello. 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 <laughs> we are here today to talk with JD. <laughs> JD Schmidt. Sorry. <laughs> Don't say sorry. Okay, so I'm going to start with uh, what I did with Josh and David the other day. Mm-hmm. So let's say what your age is and what you do for a living. Okay. I'm JD Schmidt. I am 40 years old as of June 28th. I'm feeling it, especially around the midsection. It's wow, coming. dude. You've, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of lucky. Like you, you know, you've been dealing with the back pain and stuff and I'm starting to f- feel a lot of that right now. Like I've got this ongoing back, right? Yeah. Yeah. My right side on my yeah. back. And then today it's my neck. Yeah. Yesterday and today was my neck. Yeah. It's getting worse. I've, I've reached a point in life where like I'm, it's I'm walking. I'm doing something that every normal human does every day of their life. I'm walking and I'm just all of a sudden, ow, ow, my fucking. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> you know, just, and, just walked. Yeah. That's all. <sighs> That's terrible. <clears throat> Age. No one gets out alive. Um, okay. So, uh, occupation. I am a large format sound system designer. What's that? I, um, what's take, a, what's a typical day? Um, so I spend a lot of time taking parts and pieces from different audio manufacturers, professional audio manufacturers and making them work together on paper. Okay. Right. So, you know, brand X's speakers and brand Y's amplifiers and brand Z's touch panels, controller Mm -hmm. thingies or whatever and all the bits and pieces in between and I draw that system out on paper and and hand it to um, an architect who then hands it to uh, an integrator contractor who specializes in those systems to actually build it in reality. Okay. Yeah. So would that be the are you more the engineer por- yes. person? Okay. Yeah, I would be I am not an engineer. I am not licensed as an engineer. Uh but I engineer those systems. It's an engineering task. Correct. Cool. Yeah. It's a lot of drawing involved. A lot of lines. Yeah, it's fun. I like it. I did some drawing today too. Oh yeah, on the on the iPad. That was fun. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that fun, <laughs> but it's a it's a more fun part of my job. Do you have to do a lot of ad hoc like, oh shit, the site conditions are different. Uh, than what ex- what's on paper or what was expected. So now we have yeah. to... Yeah, especially with renovations, obviously. But new buildings, yeah, there'll be things that were not drawn in properly or you know you, you want to get from here to there and there's no physical possible way for that to happen and mm-hmm. that just happened to fall through the cracks. So 
Um, that could be bad enough for an engineer to have to rework something, but it also could be just something that we could do in the field, work around something really easy. Yeah. But, yeah. Very nice. I do more of, at least what I'm doing now is more of the in-wall carrier type uh, dimensions that actually hold the fixture outside of the wall. Mm-hmm. So drawing those things to, to help the guys with kind of seeing how it's put together. If you're not familiar with it, you have a metal carrier, so two legs that bolt into the floor, mm-hmm. and then there's something that connects those two legs together, and then you have rods that would stick out, and then you put the wall up, and then those rods are what you attach your fixture to. So there's many situations like that for a water cooler, a urinal, oh, stuff like that. Sinks. I felt like it was really helpful when I was starting to have something visually to look at, you know. So if I miss something up, it's kind of my own fault for not looking at the piece of paper. Yeah. And uh, understanding how it works. A lot of guys don't do that. Or you uh, you would want to learn why. Not just do what this picture says to do, but mm-hmm. why do I do that? Why yeah. is it done that way? You know, if you don't have that curiosity and want to know the next process or why we ha- why do we have to make sure this is done this way well because five steps later this could happen you know and then you learn that the hard way after the walls are up and painted and yeah we'll, stuff like that we'll generally take like <clears throat> our drawings are, are basic to the point of being brand agnostic right so like we we specify certain brands of products and stuff mm-hmm. like that but at the end of the day the systems are put together to where you should be able to replace bits and pieces of that. You need to find the product to match the task. Correct. And so we actually make integrators resubmit our own drawings to us. Like they have to redraw it. Sure. And then resubmit it to us for approval before the job can go forward mm-hmm. so that we actually verify that they understand what we were trying to imply. Yeah, yeah we, we, we do that as well. I'm not really part of that process. It's the That's more of our office designer guy where he'll get the drawings and then he'll start drawing everything in according to, you know, local codes and whatever else. And if we, he finds that there's a pier in the way here, a beam that's too deep here and we have to sleeve through it, but we can't sleeve in that certain dimension and all this kind of stuff, you know, he has to redesign and then he'll resubmit that back to the engineers for approval. Just the same. Nice. Very nice. Very relatable. Yeah. Yeah. We are similar. We are similar humans. Yeah. (laughs) Different, different areas of, of that world. But yeah, that's sometimes the more cushy part of that world. If you come in when the air conditioner is on and yeah, fair enough. It's closer. And that since we're not similar, (laughs) you have to suffer through all this, this bullshit. We live in in the dirt. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, actually I've, I'm kind of given a hard time at work sometimes for not having a lot of the guys come from that world the, okay. the contracting world sure and you know i'm given a little bit of a hard time because i come from more the academic side of it you know learning the math and how sound works and all this stuff and yeah electricity and which is a i feel like that's a key key part for sure there I mean, it's two pieces maybe maybe it's uh because i i feel that same way with with engineers that don't have any field experience at all except for just walking out there one time and someone saying you know like this is what you're drawing <laughs> right you know guess what it, that's what it seems like sometimes yeah i really appreciate talking to somebody that has had 
experience on both sides that I feel like they they care more too because they understand the struggles in the field of putting things together and working around this and uh, not having to solve all the problems on your own or mm-hmm. you know no one wants to be you don't want people coming back to you and telling you that it doesn't work either so right I mean why not think about it and get it right in the first time yeah we don't like to look like idiots <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, I mean, and there is... Why did you give us this paper, <laughs> idiot? But there is, like, it's a, a liability, though, for a lot of engineering stuff, especially, mm-hmm. you know, structural and... Oh, yeah. that That's a that's a huge liability. Oh, yeah. If like, the we'll building hang. collapses or our wall falls down or something crazy, I mean, that's that's huge. Oh, yeah. I mean, we do a lot of stadiums and stuff, and, um, I mean, we're hanging hundreds and hundreds of pounds of speakers above people's heads. And when we have an in-house... Uh, engineer who puts her stamp on on things for mm-hmm. that um but yeah we're totally we have that kind of insurance we're totally liable if somebody somebody gets smushed um and it's directly because we did not calculate uh the load correctly i think we share the liability with the integrator because they're supposed to re-engineer everything mm-hmm. but um yeah we will get the shit suit out of us yeah that's crazy yeah Thankfully, it's never happened. I work for a company. It's never happened. People don't think about that kind of stuff with uh, cost and liability. That's just like people asking me to change out water heaters or, you know, doing some side work or whatever. Um, You know, a lot of that stuff has to be permitted, permitted, Mm -hmm. permitted, permat. Permit. Permitted. (coughs) But I like if, if they're gas, that's just me personally. I hate messing with gas and i'm not going to go bootleg someone's stuff together you know even though if i I don't do a lot of home repair or home uh, plumbing anyway so i don't feel comfortable enough to be aware in any situation you know i've dealt with this before this is an easy fix or you know whatever i mean it's at the end of the day it's do you feel good about walking away from that house and never having to come back and never causing an accident like if you didn't hook something up right the the uh, exhaust or whatever from the water heater and you kill everyone with carbon monoxide. I mean, that's, that's on you, man. Yeah. That's, that's TXU knows those pains. That's a lot of liability. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, man. I think you should call somebody with a license or like, you know, a permit for that, that covers everything. You know, they've, they've got insurance. They've got everything. I don't have personal insurance with plumbing. You know, it's all through company. So right. I'm not going to take that responsibility. That's probably smart. Yeah, it sounds like a sounds like a it sounds like a sound. It's a sound strategical. It's a sound sound. It is <laughs> sound comma sound uh, words. They're fun. <laughs> so what else, man? I'm I'm actually looking at all these books that I have. It reminds me that I haven't read anything in probably a couple of weeks, and I have so many books unread that I feel like crap when I. <laughs> when I look at them because I need to read them. And somebody recently that was on Joe Rogan's podcast, there was somebody that was on, I think it was him. Um, but they were talking about reading anything they or anything at any time, not finishing a book from front to back, just skimming through the book, finding things that interest you that you want to learn from or that you think is worth your time. And then moving on to the next book. He was like, I've gone, I'm, I'm, in 10 or 12 books right now oh, just man. currently I can't like, do it. that just that hurt my brain but when i did think about it it does open you up to more mm-hmm. 
diversity, I guess, and maybe maybe part of me subconsciously not continuing is I get bored. I'm I'm kind of getting bored with this. I want to be done with this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting, but I, it takes time, and I want to move on to the next one. That's a severe so, inner conflict for me. Yeah, I mean that could be just more like a ADD type of thing. Yeah, I I have that I have that I have that problem with books. I have that problem with video games. Mm-hmm. I could I can. I can fucking despise a video game. I hate it. But if I get far enough into it, I have to, f- I have to finish. If I don't finish, there's, I feel like there's just something wrong with the universe. You know, oh, it, wow. it like destroys my me- my mind. And, yeah. and reading is kind of the same way. Like I almost, I almost dread picking up a new book because I like reading a lot, but I'll get into a book. And even if I don't like it, it's like, I've got to finish this. Or there's this sense of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have not completed. I've invested this much into it. I have to finish. It's really annoying. I should learn how to, you know, cherry pick what I want. Yeah. I mean, that would probably mean me keeping a lot more textbook style literature around. Um, Because right now, well, pretty much my entire life, I've I just read, you know, fantasy and classical literature and whatever. Not too many like technical books. My wife's completely different. She'll 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 read you know about astronomy and physics and all carpentry and all kinds of stuff yeah um but i yeah i can't i want all of it there's i've i've always, i've made the realization oh, it's been a while now but more and more that i know nothing about history i i didn't retain hardly anything from school regarding history and i feel like a an idiot when you know people talk about war and all this stuff i just i know nothing so i have i'm looking at war books right now <laughs> on the bottom shelf here i have the civil war and world war Two. i think i have another one somewhere but um yeah i i want to dive into these things at some point but i that's something i, I wouldn't want to be deterred from i would want to keep like definitely sink my teeth into that and try to absorb everything wikipedia know? man I mean, people are going to hate me for saying that people, <laughs> any, anybody with any sort of like academic background, especially Wikipedia is not a source. It's not a legitimate source. It totally is a legitimate source. It just depends on who edited it. Edited it last, That's true. right? So, so, so there's this potential for misinformation, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I've, I've been using Wikipedia for quite a while just to, you know, kind of as, as in that exercise, like just to cherry pick sort of like, Oh, what the hell is this guy talking about? Or something that somebody said to me and I'm, I don't know nothing about, and I'm kind of curious Wikipedia. My brain is filled with a basic foundation of knowledge mm-hmm. and it hasn't yet led me astray. I haven't yet come across an article where I then regurgitate this knowledge and somebody's like, that's, that's completely false. Right. <laughs> yeah. Either that or no one's ever called me out. Yeah, on I, I was about <laughs> to say that maybe no one had the balls to say, Hey, I don't think that's right. Yeah. Um, but no, I got you. Yeah. It's, it's been very useful, uh, at times like, uh, like the other day I, I had a friend post about this guy. I can't remember his name, but you know, it was a, it was a dude talking about a dude, I guess who was alive right around the American revolution. And he, and one of his famous quotes was there's nothing more ridiculous than an American declaring their independence independence and equality independence (laughs) um (laughs) um, and equality for all men and 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 then in one hand holding a whip over a slave right right exactly and um i started wikipediaing this guy 
So I'd never heard of him before. And he did say those things and was considered actually a forward thinker of his time. He lived in Europe or whatever, but he also like uh, had this weird wife training program where he would like drop hot wax on potential wives. And if they fri- flipped out about it, he's like, well, they're no good, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I guess there's, I guess there's kind of, you got to take the good and the bad with everything, you know, cause he's not wrong. Right. Like that statement, that quote is not wrong at all, right. but you probably shouldn't drop hot wax on somebody to determine whether or not they'd be yeah, a good wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. She can't even take hot wax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of weird. Be gone peasant. I mean, Different time. It was a different time. Yeah. No judgment. How do you enjoy this hot wax? Yeah. If she floats, she's made of wood. (laughs) She's a witch. Maybe that's what he was looking for. A witch could take that. Possible. He's trying to find a witch. No. Seal that bitch up in wax. Got a wife forever. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what I just said. Like... (laughs) What I just said made no sense. Uh, I should have... I wish I had something floating above my head at all times that could just slap the shit out of me anytime I said something really obnoxious and stupid. I might learn to not do it every now and then. (laughs) What if you had like a horn uh, that you (laughs) wore on your shoulder like a clown or something? (laughs) That's like... It's almost considered like an edit undo situation, you know? Like you say something dumb, it's like... oh. (laughs) <laughs> turn it turn it into a joke somehow <laughs> and squirt water in their eye <laughs> yep oh my god yes that would probably be useful for a number of people uh oh what was that are you have you been alerted no oh okay good well I'll, I'll edit this out that was my father Faja Faja your farger? What's a farger? <laughs> oh, your father. Father. <laughs> oh my god, so after after your after you totally got my my hashtag on WhatsApp today, I, I like had to look up that scene on mm. on uh the Wikipedia I video. I wanted to watch that myself. <clears throat> oh my god. I can't believe you got it because I, I literally was like I even misspelled it the first time I like fucked it up. I, I don't know I, what I was thinking. I knew what you were talking about. Yeah, amazing. That was like uh, Men in Black. The other day I was thinking about. Um, I, I don't. I have no idea how many times I've seen that. When like when it came out, I would come home from school and it would just be maybe on the background or something, and I'm just drawing or trying to run through homework really quick or whatever. So I'm just so familiar with that movie just from that one time period because I watched it a million times or whatever it was and then just probably didn't watch it for seven, eight years, you know. <laughs> then the next time I saw it, it's like I'd never stopped watching it. I knew just everything knew that was going to happen. It's just, uh, I don't know. Some It's not always like that. I feel like some, some movies that I've only seen a couple of times are actually somehow ingrained when... It, I can't remember what I did yesterday sometimes, <laughs> but you know, that one scene in that one movie that's Fucking in there somewhere and power of Hollywood and they're brainwashing <laughs> your ass, dude. Yeah. No, it's weird. It's like something triggers it by, I see something that ties to that. And it's like something in my brain says, Hey, use this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it just comes out of nowhere. And then the other Have person's you... usually like, what is that? What, what, what did you just say? 
Have you seen the new one? Was that a movie? <laughs> is that from the movie? Yeah. No. Oh my god! Like the amount of the shit that comes out of my mouth that is actually quotes from movies. I don't even think I'm a real person sometimes. Like I just am. It's like what are you? Some sort of ad? Yeah. Sponsored by? <laughs> I'm like a marketing scheme. Whatever. I'm duly programmed by, by uh, you know, those people <laughs> over in the West. <laughs> Whoever's pumping out that audio and video. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen the new one? I have not. Have you seen it? I have not. Mm. I have not. It has Thor in it, right? It does. Yeah. He's, he will forever be known yeah, as Thor. Yeah, he's Thor. <laughs> Sorry, dude. You're Thor. You, you don't have a name. You're that Thor guy. Yeah. I follow you on Instagram, but I don't, I don't know your name. <laughs> Just scroll scroll down and look. There's Thor. It's, it's, <laughs> there's Thor is, in that one movie. He's still worthy. <laughs> Strink is good. Yeah. Amada. <laughs> I want to do that. I want to do that somewhere. I want to do that. And I want to toss a drink in somebody's face at some point in my life. I don't know why it's such a mean (laughs) thing to do. That is such a mean thing to do. Like you should never, ever do that. But I have this ruthless. It's fucking Hollywood programming me. I've seen so many movies now where, where somebody just goes, fuck you, you know, splash in the face. Yeah. And I just, I don't even drink. It'll be like a fucking (laughs) glass of milk. Which might be worse. Ha! Now you have milk all over you. <laughs> it sounds like something from the 30s, right? <laughs> Get milk in your eye, baby. There's milk in your eye. <laughs> That's the cat's pajamas. <laughs> have a good cry. There's milk in your <laughs> eye. Uh, yeah. I know. We all need to be singing through megaphones and <laughs> talking about the new technology of, of the rotary phone. <clears throat> Today's nose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man gets milk thrown in his eye. <laughs> this one news used to like mean something. People believed it. Yeah. There was never any question. Did you hear the news about Jimmy? <laughs> he threw milk in Johnny's eye. <laughs> Stop the presses. <laughs> Local hero gets milk thrown in his eye. <laughs> Local. Oh my god. Yeah. Last week he saved a dog or something. <laughs> this week it's milk in the eye. Poor Johnny. Oh my god. Anyway. What else are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about um, what? Reincarnation? Uh, the music scene? All sorts of stuff. Yeah, you have a, you have a giant Lots list. Lots of options. Yeah. It's a general list of anything. Yeah. Well, uh, let's talk about the music scene. That piqued my interest. I like the music scene. Okay. Specifically local. Local music scene. Local music scene. Sure. Or any music scene, really. Okay. I mean. And let's go. All right. So. The local music scene. So you're like, I haven't actually been in the this music scene really in a while, but mm-hmm. you're you're in it quite a bit, quite extensively, right? Not really, not recently. Really, I haven't played. Yeah, I haven't played a, a whole lot of shows in the past, really, two years or so, two or three years. But some, some, yeah, yes, more than me. I played one in the past two okay, years. Okay, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, I know it's changed a lot from back when, you know, we were doing our thing and, um, you know, like back when I was playing a lot of shows, there was no promoters, mm-hmm. promotional companies as they were like, yeah, you know, I think there's one, uh, DMS is like a big one here mm-hmm. and, uh, there, w- there was no, there was no need for that. There was no position for that. It was just you, the bands dealt direct directly with the clubs and people who worked for the clubs who might be in bands themselves or just be 
represent you know representative of ownership would like i don't know it was all this weird backyard handshake bullshit that mm-hmm. sometimes didn't pan out very well for anybody yeah involved um and now there's like promotional people who generally speaking everyone that i've seen they're all like ex-band members you know like people who used to be in and around the music scene yeah and i don't really i guess i don't understand like do they act as liaisons between the clubs and the, and the musicians do they somewhat <clears throat> i mean what is their purpose almost almost like a management really kind of thing i mean are it they just the depends ones? on who it is i mean i don't know the real deep down task that everyone has like a list of do's and don'ts as yeah. a as a promoter i feel like it's going to be these days a facebook page or maybe a website probably not it'll be a facebook like page. they do that yeah they would have their own facebook page and either they would post it on their page and still like maybe help you um, help you get a show not necessarily like a manager because management would be in, like maybe negotiating a show I don't, I don't really know mm-hmm. I, I feel like it is kind of a management position but I'm not a hundred percent sure because um, I, I mean I don't see a lot of manage managers management people uh, yeah. as much as promoters around here yeah so it, it, that's more of Maybe that's more of a label thing, label and management. Yeah. And then local is just a promoter for the most I'm, part. As far as my understanding is goes, which is not great, but I, f- for like national acts, people who are like going across state lines to play shows, ma- management and booking are like separate entities and management does shit like, yeah, like they negotiate for you. So they're like, you know, getting your guarantees if they're if mm-hmm. you're going to have one you know they're going to make sure that you're set up with oh if you're doing hotels or any kind of all weird, that stuff yeah yeah um other stuff and for local promoters i guess i just i don't know like what the deal is like if they're because used to you would i mean everyone swore by flyers right everyone was like mm-hmm. oh if you want to play a show You've got to go pass out four thousand pieces of paper yeah. that somebody's in just going to throw away, mm-hmm. or get pissed off at you for leaving on their car or whatever. Yeah, and I don't know personally. I never really saw a ton of value in that exercise, but you know, it was the only thing Effort. you could do. Right, <laughs> it's the only thing you could do. And and I guess I don't know if the promoters like took over that role, like where now they're the flyer. You know, they're the ones going mm-hmm. to the clubs. I always had like. <clears throat> I always had like a big problem with the way, well, especially in metal and, and rock, like the way it worked, because I feel like, like you go to other genres like country and jazz and, you know, blues, whatever. And you're looking at musicians who aren't like well-known people. They're, they're decent and what they do is great, but they get paid for the work that they do. Mm -hmm. They go, they spend 45 minutes at a show plus set up and tear down and they're not jumping around on stage. Like, like it's not a trapeze act. And you know, they don't have to like buddy buddy with every single person they meet. They're just doing a job mm-hmm. and they're doing what they do and they get guaranteed pay, you know, for the most part and for however much it is. And it's usually, I mean, it's like back when, when we were playing a bunch of shows, I mean, you were lucky to get paid if, you know, at all. And everyone expected you to just pull tons of people to the club i felt like the clubs like really took advantage of the musicians because they were relying on the musicians to for promoting their business Mm -hmm. and and generally speaking the the 
the um venues weren't like top notch you know it's not like you walk into a venue you're like wow this is i could eat off this floor this is the cleanest place i've ever been i mean never once you know and and you know you it's like then you know there's the this whole idea you've got to show up at like five o'clock in the afternoon you've got to fucking hang there and be cool to everybody and you know god forbid you be a human and really have a problem with somebody acting like a drunk asshole and then you know you may not get paid you 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 gotta be there for hours and you gotta practice for hours to just to be there and then there's the physical labor of getting your shit there setting it up and then doing all that in a timely fashion and tearing it down mm-hmm. you, here's here's 35 bucks to split between <laughs> you guys your fucking seven band that members should cover that should more than cover your gas yeah, buddy i know ah, it was so frustrating i always felt like it's a pleasure to play on stage man you should cherish it yeah yeah I that mean, hey man to a degree i totally get that not everyone can do it and you you know it's a good thing to be able to do that mm-hmm. to be able to express yourself mm-hmm. get on stage and do your thing and uh I guess I could definitely see people just abusing that by, uh, you know, expecting too much or, or whatever, just doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, no one likes a diva or rock star or anything like that, but you know, you don't want to be felt taken advantage of. You know, I want to do want to do your thing. You want to, it's not like you don't want the venue to make money. You don't want anyone to make money. You just want everyone to be happy and do your thing. Right. That's basically what it is. That's what yeah. it should be. Nobody's doing it for charity. But it's reasons. yeah, right, right. Yeah, because hopefully the venue's going to make their money, and if, if if they don't, and the band didn't bring as as many as they wanted, then I mean, well, you can't win every time. But that's the thing is, like, I feel like okay, so it's like supposed to be modeled off of this after this idea that you know these little local bands who nobody's ever heard of, and they're they're sort of they're cutting their teeth and they're working on their material um, are expected to provide uh, or, or provide for themselves a bit of business model that emulates big national acts. Mm-hmm. And the thing that big national acts have behind them is usually money and people right. who are all, who are going to show up to the show. I mean, there are people who go see bands like national acts who fucking hate them, but they go to the shows anyway. That's how much, I mean, I'm not saying national acts make a ton of money, but that's how many people that they're pulling into the venues. Yeah. There's like this sort of, guaranteed payout and that doesn't exist it, i feel like on a local level especially when you're talking about teenagers people who have to like go to school and there's other things involved that they're developing mentally and stuff like that that you kind of have to protect them from yeah. being taken advantage of yeah i think about scenarios <clears throat> of when i was younger at shows and you know how how i thought of a situation or how i handled a situation how we as a band handle, handled a situation and i think man, that's that's kind of dumb, you know, and I, nothing like hugely sticks out, but just looking back on that, thinking if I saw somebody do that now, that exact thing, I would think, what an idiot, you know? Yeah. And well, but how are you supposed to know? Exactly. You 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 make mistakes. You yeah. learn from those mistakes. And, yeah. and I recognize that. So I feel like, well, there's progress right. somewhere. We're right. I, you know, and I, I just feel like rock and metal clubs, you know, in a, in a large part, and I'm not singling anybody out i know that there are people who who out there who who don't do things this way but i just feel like in a large part i come i just as a background i come from the the local houston music scene 
and then did a lot of time in the Dallas scene mm -hmm. back in like, you know, the early 2000s and late 2000s. And I just always saw this repeating pattern of the club. You know, I, you don't see flyers for the clubs anywhere on except for at the club. <clears throat> but you see flyers for the bands that are playing at these clubs everywhere. Mm hmm. And I feel like, well, okay, why isn't, why isn't the club promoting its own business? You know, first of all, if you go to, if you go to other genres of music, country, uh, all the things I mentioned before, mm -hmm. um, people show up to these venues expecting to hear good music, expecting to be entertained. The, the clubs themselves have a reputation for providing decent entertainment. Nobody worries really about. I mean, there's a, I guess there's a small group who do, but nobody really worries about it's this name that's on the, on the bill. We're going to a venue and we're going to have some drinks and possibly some food, depending on what kind of venue it is. <clears throat> and there's going to be some live music mm -hmm. and we're going to, we're going to be entertained. Right. We're not concerned. Oh, well it's, it's this guy. They're not yeah. so concerned about that. Right. And I understand it's hard. It's hard for, for me for that mindset. Cause I'm so used to concentrating on who it is. Mm -hmm. I'm, yeah, I don't think about the average person who might not care. It's just like you say, you're going to have, you're going for the atmosphere. You're going for continuous, good music, good service and yeah. everything else. You don't care necessarily. And you know, I think uh, a big part of the difference there is that those clubs, they actually audition their acts. Like you have to show up yeah, or, or they pay attention to a demo or right. a CD of some sort or right. whatever. They have like new band nights or new, mm -hmm. new act nights or whatever, open mic nights, that kind of thing. Yeah. And they'll nab people from that crowd. But that way, like people get a chance to go up and they get a chance to practice being in front of people and, and kind of doing their thing. And, and they don't necessarily get paid for it either, but it's sort of a voluntary, like anyone can come up and, and do this. Yeah. And then out of that, group of people a select few of them will be approached hey you guys want to play on friday night you want to play this saturday we'll pay you 300 bucks you know that kind of thing i mean i know uh i have several friends through several degrees of separation um who um know people who are in you know local like their house bands mm -hmm. and they get paid tons of money right. i mean they make a living off of it mm -hmm. and that's just it'll never happen in in rock and metal and it's not because there's not enough of a crowd because there is the crowds are huge. It's just that the business model is fucked. Well, also there's a difference of time now where people are just completely content with watching something at home. They don't have to go to the, I don't have to sit around and look, smell ass all, all night <laughs> yeah. you know, because this guy doesn't know how to take a bath Yeah, uh, just to watch this band. I can watch them on my phone. I can yeah. watch them on the TV tomorrow or fucking you know, suffer whatever. hearing loss and all kinds of shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I totally get it. It's 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 because of the instant access, the easy access. You you don't feel as guilty because well, I still watched. You know, I still enjoyed it, but yeah. I wasn't physically there. Right. So I think that has a lot to do with attendance locally yeah. now as well, and I, then just all like in bigger bands coming in through uh, tours. You know, playing on a Tuesday or Wednesday. No one wants, to, especially no one wants to go out at that yeah. point. I get up too early. Yeah. I always had this pipe dream of, of like running a venue and um, putting a really like decent sound system in it and doing what all the, all these other guys are doing where like, you know, you have like an open mic night and you audition people and you guarantee them a, a certain amount of money and you just build a reputation for being a venue that's clean. It's safe. You know, mm -hmm. like people aren't getting 
you know, fucking felt up in the bathrooms and in the right. hallways and shit. And you're not going to get like a billion flyers under your windshield on a rainy night or whatever. Because mm-hmm. um, you have park uh, uh, parking lot security. Well, hey, you know, yeah, whatever. Get that flyer out of there. <laughs> you! Uh, <laughs> you! You with the 30 flyers! Yeah! <laughs> Yeah, so you know, it, I don't know. I just it's. I guess it's a pipe dream. I don't know if it would actually work, but I would think it would be a great experiment to see if you could change the way metal is um, sort of put out there. You know, I, I feel like that's honestly a lot of a lot of the issue with musicians who are, you know, and I'm not poo pooing on them at all, but musicians who get famous just from their online presence. Mm-hmm it's great i think it's great but the there's sort of a disconnect there with reality like people don't understand i think still people don't understand after all these years that there's a lot of wizardry that goes into recording yeah you know i mean you can do take after take after take i mean eventually you're gonna get a badass recording right right after so many some people that's all they care about anyway is the is ultimately the audio yeah you know just i just it has to be perfect has to be perfect right and i've i've done that as far as uh, recording something a video i don't uh, the performance isn't that great. You know, I'll do it a, a few times or whatever, whether it's 10 times, 20 times, whatever it takes. But uh, I don't like miming things as much. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do that. Um, if I do, it's going to be as accurate as possible. Right. <laughs> That's the goal, at least, is it, you know, it comes across. This is performed. I try to play this, you know. Right. And I'll record a track. And if I don't get it, you know, almost right all the way through then i feel like i cheated it anyway well and yeah and there's no judge i don't get me wrong i'm not like trying to cast judgment on no somebody, no i got you, you know, yeah you know but going to see someone do their art live yeah there's there's something about that that cannot be reproduced through a screen yes right sure there's all kinds of physics that go into that like yeah you, you well your people next to you right too exactly you know you feed off of that just that's like right. a, watching a movie in, in the theater if someone's right. not being a jackass <laughs> yeah people are are we're social animals when we get together something special happens we share even if you hate everybody you're sharing something that you cannot share otherwise that you can't experience otherwise yeah um and just personally you know being a tradesman in large format sound systems you can't wearing a headphones are great earbuds and and really expensive home hi-fi speakers are great. It is not the same. There is a tactile sure. uh, like feedback that you get from being in front of a stage with a crowd in front of large speakers, assuming that they've been tuned properly and there's a good, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a decently talented person behind the board. There is a, an experience there that you can't get otherwise. Yeah. Um, just like there's an experience with having a video camera like focused in on someone's hands when they're playing, you know, whatever, or, or focused in on someone's face in a studio. That's a, it's a completely different thing. Right. Yeah. And so I feel, I feel like it's unfortunate really that, um, cause the music scene is sort of on a lull. I feel like, I mean, you've got, I mean, curtain club shut down a couple of weeks ago. Right. Yeah. And that's really sad. That's a, that was a monument, like a landmark of the deep LM scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know there's clubs left for sure, but yeah. it's, it's, it's hard to view that headline and not feel a bit of heartache. Yeah, sure. Yeah. They, I, I believe that's, I don't know what the plan is or you know, what, what all happened with that, but I, I feel like there's a lot of just 
evolution going on mm -hmm. down in Deep Ellum right now <clears throat> that I don't know is necessarily uh, beneficial for a lot of the metal scene, yeah. metal and rock scene. Yeah. But, I mean, more people are flowing through. You, get, you have more people exposed to your music that could like it, mm -hmm. you know, especially if they're drunk and <laughs> stumble in like, oh, that's fucking cool, man. <laughs> You go drunkenly buy a couple of CDs or whatever, and then he, uh, you might have got a fan. Yeah. And then he'll spread it to his other drunk friends. But yeah. it's just a different atmosphere. And yeah. uh, what you said about sound reminded me what I was going to say earlier about people trying to get people to venues uh, as a local band. Not all venues sound the best. Some venues just don't really have their shit together. They don't, or I don't want to say they don't have their shit together. They don't have the right equipment or the right people to run the equipment. Right. So, you know, hey, come play, come play at our our place, and we'll pay you good or whatever. You know, just bring some people. But uh, nobody wants to go listen, right? Because it doesn't sound that good. Right. <laughs> yeah, I just and it's it's, it's <clears throat> discouraging to play and not hear yourself sounding that good just the same you know i yeah. feel like i don't have the same energy if it sounds good up in my ears and i see everyone else not cringing and they're enjoying the sound like yeah we'll feed off of that that's yeah. that's uh that's what's up but i feel like man i really feel like in ears fixed that for me like I, I felt that a lot um i mean people have been using those those trapezoid stage monitors forever right, right. and as a singer get in front of one of those things with a mic is the scariest thing because if your monitor guy, I mean, first of all, if, I mean, you got to kind of practice what you're doing, mic technique and, and where to go on stage and where not to go and watch out for your band members. Cause they're going to yeah. clobber you with their fucking instruments and shit. And, and then you get too close to that monitor and it's, you know, right in the middle of, you know, something special. And that's, you know, highly, highly, it's, that's a, high point of anxiety at least it was for me um so in-ears really really fixed that for me um but they cost fucking yeah arm and a leg yeah thousand dollars for a, a decent setup yeah. just to start and that's not the molds you got to get the molds too that's another <laughs> you know it's session bad. at the ear place yeah <laughs> whatever it's it's bad it costs a lot of money it's an investment for sure. but, it, I mean, it's a worthy investment but if you're not you're not playing shows all the time like i can't justify it i don't right. play enough well exactly and even if you are playing shows if you're not making any money because the clubs aren't paying you because you you know i mean dude how am i supposed to go to like oklahoma city where no one knows who the fuck i am and pull 35 people to a show how am i supposed to do that everybody's like well you got to promote you got to promote yourself man you, you gotta go out there three weeks early I know. And <laughs> hang out with some of the locals on the weekend what buddy? fucking planet do you live on <laughs> Where you think that some high schooler in Dallas, Texas is going to run his ass up to Oklahoma City, going to get permission from his mom to drive up to Oklahoma City, <laughs> not get mugged while he's up there, to fly her for a show three weeks from then, and then go back. You know, I mean, it just, it's unrealistic. I feel like the business model is flawed, you know? Yeah. Oh, well, at least there is just, like I said before, easier access now mm -hmm. with uh, promoting but just the same, the people that are looking at Facebook, I don't know. I'm trying to 
have a ratio of people paying attention to Facebook versus people that actually go out and do something because they're stuck on Facebook. So they're not likely going to be going. So, Oh no, I show. I actually think that, that Facebook like online promotion is way more effective than going to a parking lot and putting. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now that's what I mean. Nowadays yeah. you, you can, you can promote too much, but you're still probably going to get more than you would. You know, you, you might get people to, hate you because you're promoting too much but you'll you'll still pull in more than what you likely will strolling the parking lot even though you might make one really good connection with somebody that appreciates your hustle mm-hmm. um but you're the overall pull you know word of mouth is great why not do both why yeah. not just kill the shit on facebook and then go out there and try to make a couple of personal connections too I mean, yeah that's, that's a little extra yeah but if you can just fucking click 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 you know and that's taken care of then you've got you've got some time you can go out there well, and there's and an do a little bit of legwork fucking art to that too yeah the whole online promotion yeah, unless you're very awkward individual then maybe <clears throat> you don't walk up to strangers in the parking lot <laughs> hi hi um you want to listen to my band <laughs> real good yeah, would you like a cd you like some metal <laughs> yeah hey man what do you listen to <laughs> i know yeah those guys so like those metal dudes like there's an entire subgroup right that are like the fucking Zach Wild and yeah. sleeveless everything and just fucking dud it out. Gonna go listen to my fucking mm, armpit hair. It's like <laughs> I well, you know what I'm talking about. It like they have they yeah because the sleeves are cut off so you can see the hair just flying out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like yeah. I mean there's i mean there's a group there's a social group there that will respond really well to that but generally speaking people on the street that you just walk up to and that's what we used to do right we used to walk down the street and deep ellum i remember they used to block off the streets that fucking place would be packed yeah and we'd walk down the street and and you'd have those little cheap cdrs or that you yeah three songs whatever yep and you just hand them shit bitches out hit people in the head with them did (laughs) not matter what they looked like didn't matter where they were going, where they were coming from, doing the Lord's work. Yeah. <laughs> and you knew, you knew that 70, 99% of those fucking things were going in the trash. Yeah. But you were hoping you would net, you know, a few people for your next performance. Yeah. And, and it just, fuck, that is so inefficient. Yeah. Dude. The amount of money I can't imagine if I went back and it could actually tally up the amount of money I spent on CDRs and flyers. And I know it's, it doesn't sound like it's a lot, but over the course of 15 years worth of, of yeah, I hesitate to call it musical career, but <laughs> you know, like this musical hobby. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a little discouraging. And I feel like the, honestly, the whole online presence thing, if I had to make a guess, I feel like the future of metal in particular is not in live performance anymore. Oh yeah. Not, I mean, it may be for the big boys. I can see that. Yeah. You know, but I feel like it's going to be, do you remember that? Um, that video by Michael it? Jackson, uh, between the buried and me, that's it, uh, where they're in the studio and it's just them jamming in the studio. It's a, it's a music video. It's a legit music video, mm-hmm. but it's just different camera angles and it's a one shot performance of them right in their studio yeah. and they've got a crowd around them and stuff. Um, I feel like that's, that's, that's just okay. It's, yeah. it's okay for people. I feel like younger people, do want to still go out and watch someone do something live. Yeah. And that also might be because they want to film something. They want to show other people that they were out. They want to show them what, oh, yeah. what, what they've done. 
they're like and trying they, to maybe they don't like the music that much they're looking for like validation yeah yeah, yeah. that could be part of it too yeah I mean, and that's that's okay. It is okay because you might be exposed to good stuff anyway, and realize that oh, this is this is worth my time. This is you know, and totally forget about the whole initial you know purpose you went out. Yeah, I think it's great for the bands too because if if you can set up like imagine a world where shows weren't you didn't go to a club and had to deal with everything that that entailed, but you invited people to your studio your practice space whatever and you like literally it's all you did was vacuum a little bit and maybe you know wipe wipe the fucking pot ash off of everything and 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 dressed up a little bit but you're in the exact same spot that you would stand during rehearsal your your equipment is exactly as it would be otherwise you've been practicing in this exact environment sans the people for however long i mean imagine the level of performance that you would get out of musicians if they were comfortable like that yeah versus pack up your shit get out your touring rig try not to break anything don't shower for eight (laughs) weeks and fucking you know what and don't get me wrong i've never really been on a tour and i've always wanted to go um but i've also seen the videos i know what happens (laughs) yeah you know it's not yeah if you know yourself well enough and you know who you're going out with yeah i'm sure you could foresee some potential issues yeah, or yeah. whatever stuck in a van with i mean human beings are social creatures but you to an shove extent. them yeah you shove them <laughs> in a sardine can for three weeks they're not going to come out like just happy about it well i mean that's the same with living with somebody mm-hmm. you know for the first time you or you you've never lived with them before getting a roommate you see how people really are and you when you live with them and you're doing it in this tiny scale of a, mm-hmm. <laughs> of a vehicle that you can't just without you know, all the amenities. You can't just walk out of yeah. you know, at any any time. It's like it's like you with your roommate. Your roommate stinks. You can go, dude. Go take a fucking shower. It's over there. <laughs> you stinky bitch. You fucking wipe your ass a little bit better, please. Wipe it a little bit. And but you're in a van with dudes, and there's this understand this level of understanding. Like, okay, this guy smells like fucking this dude like spit and onions <laughs> this dude's just gonna fart every five seconds yeah. and you gotta be okay with it. it and i'm you know i'm that's fine i'm okay with that i just i feel like you know you see a lot of it's in especially in in metal you see a lot of dudes who kind of they quit they're just done and it's that that's the reason because they're forced to be in a fucking sardine can with a bunch of people there's a lot of pressure and a lot of the ugly comes out when you're in that situation, you know, yeah. you're, you're at home and people have got their own place and you're not really having to deal with the fact that they can't pay their bills and they're not real great with money. And you know, they, they get in situations where like, you know, fucking one girl shows them attention and all of a sudden they're like, you know, shooting up heroin and shit. And it's like, and then you get out on the road and, and people just lose their, lose their fucking cool. Yeah. I got no chill and the, the fucking demons come out and I'm sure there's a lot of shit behind that. I'm not trying to pass judgment on anybody because I know that there's depression and there's this, uh, this adrenaline thing that sort of sort of lowers this, the bar for standard of life. You know, sure. I've heard of so many people who say they get depressed and they get, get back from tour because, you know, yep. you get on stage in front of a bunch of people and there's an adrenaline it's thing, adrenaline going, rush. And then you come down from that and it's like, you want to kill yourself. You're a junkie. Yeah. And then imagine coming home and you got to go back to your fucking job in a warehouse somewhere. And I mean, I can't, I've never been there, so I can't imagine, but I, I, I've, I've got a lot of respect for dudes who keep their shit together yeah. in that situation. That's the uh, mental Olympics. Yeah. Has to be. Yeah. For real. 
And, you know, I don't know, people like to glorify that stuff a lot, but, and I'm one of them, you know, I have been, uh, I'm getting to an age now where I kind of could give a shit about meeting people and forming relationships, but <laughs> you know, 40, Hey, 40, I'm Fuck dead, it. everybody. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I, you know, I don't know. I think, I think that the, the situation with the clubs treating new bands, unknown bands the way they do has really set up the situation where it's sort of pushed us all in this direction of like, okay, you guys just stay home and do the best you can from there. And now we've got shit like Bandcamp and YouTube pays a little bit and we've got streaming services and people can now, you know, good music equipment is now cheap enough where you can get a decent home recording rig and make a damn good album. Yeah. And I mean, if you're, if you're, if you've got enough stick to you can kind of control your little world from your bedroom. And, um, unfortunately that's going to mean that there's no, at, at some point, it, you know, that the slippery slope is that at some point there's no, uh, local live outlet for metal fans, which sucks. Um, but Hey, that's what happens when you fucking take advantage of an entire group of fucking people. Uh, of young people and, and people who, who really all they care about is they just want to be on stage. You know, they, I remember, man, I remember when I was in, in school, middle school and high school, like the only thing I ever thought about was getting on stage. I just want to, I want to be on stage, man. I want to play tunes, fucking metal. And, yeah. and, and, and I glorified all that big rock star bullshit. Um, but at the end of the day, I, that's really what I want to do. I want to play music and I just wanted to do it in front of people and share it with people and over the course of you know being in in a couple of music scenes and dealing with all that shit it's like it's a little discouraging to deal with cl the clubs and the scene and yeah. whatever um and i f i wish i was growing up now where it's actually bit more beneficial for me to stay in my bedroom and just learn how to record and learn how to produce and get better at my instrument and i can do everything from there and every now and then i invite some people over and videotape it and that's my show Right. And that's what launches my career. And then from there, there's like this big sort of, uh, I guess, gap from playing that to like actually going on the road and sharing your talent with yeah. the people who actually want to see it live instead of just trying to grab those 35 people that are your friends who are never going to show up yeah. <laughs> to another show, you know, on a Thursday night or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's a long process. It's a, it's a, it's a dedication it's a constant building of something. It's like building a a car, you know. Just every little thing that you do, all this work, playing this show, this show, this show, you're starting, you know, with the axle and the wheels, and then you're starting, and then you put the frame on there, and then you got the, the engine yeah. coming in later, and then you're trying to build this thing so it'll last, and then mm -hmm. keep driving into the freaking sun <laughs> with, <laughs> yeah. while sharing your music. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a tough road for a lot of people. I don't think I'm cut out for it. I don't. I don't. I don't know that I've. I don't think I ever wanted to tour and be on a big label or whatever very much at all. You know, if if anything, it was very short lived in my head. You know, the thought of it was cool every now and then, but I I never was really geared towards that. I wanted to share music. I wanted to play and perform. You know, I have an itch to jump on stage too, but it's more. It really started with me as. I want to play, I want to hear something that I'm not hearing someone else play. 
I feel like I'm missing something. Mm-hmm. So I, I would write what I feel like I'm missing. I want to I write something different. It wasn't that different. It was just, you know, different style or different riff, whatever. Yeah. But it, it scratched the itch and that's kind of what, what, what inspired me to keep going and to play shows and or write more songs. You know, I wanted to just, I like sharing stuff with people. If they respond to it with a smile, then, you know, that's awesome. That's, that's all the reward I need. You know, that's, that's a, it's cool to be able to share something that you made or, you know, thought of in your bad head and (laughs) were able to get out somehow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. For me, it was recording. I just love, I love studio work. Yeah. I would like, I'm like one of those dudes that like would fucking starve their children playing world of Warcraft or whatever, only with recording, like (laughs) stick me in a studio and I just forget everything else. Yeah. I just, I love the whole idea of creating something and being able to track it and make it sound a certain way. Yeah. I've always uh, like watching the old Metallica videos and stuff of their recording, like the, the black album making of that. You know, just the thought of being able to sit in a studio to write stuff at that point, you know, really truly collaborate and not necessarily feel rushed, but, you know, you still have some sort of time frame, you know, that you want to get through. But being able to have that ability to just maybe walk in the studio um, whatever time in the morning and then work on it for eight 10 hours, you know, if you're really into it and then stop for some food and then come back later and listen and then maybe run into the rest of the night with it. You know, that would be so cool to be able to just have a lot of access constantly with, with all of your buddies, you know, and I would totally love 24 seven access. Yeah. You got a nice setup here. I mean, it's, I would would love to do that. You know, being able to just, I would say, I don't have a, I don't have a house that's, you know, I have, I've got two kids and so it's me and my wife and my two kids and we live in a three bedroom house. There's no room. I've got an office and it's got some studio set up to it, mm-hmm. but it's not really yet to the point where I can do that, where I can wake up in the morning on a Saturday or whatever and just I'm gonna go play some guitar and yeah. you know, whatever and, and close myself in and just forget about the rest of the world. Um, I would love to do that. I would really love like it's like my end goal to have a, a home on some property that's that's sort of away from noise yeah uh, uh, far away enough mm-hmm. maybe not too yeah, secluded like, but i want sewer yeah. <laughs> and city water you know <laughs> yeah, yeah uh and internet high-speed internet but uh it's like i can't hear fucking car horns and shit out my window mm. and i would love to have my house and either in that house or even on a separate like a little separate building or something sure just outside check uh, exactly like it's a place where i can walk in and it's nice it's got nice acoustic treatment and it's got instruments available to me and an easy way for me to plug in and record and and do all that stuff would really an experiment yeah i just love the idea of that um touring i mean like i said before i've I've always wanted to experience it because i've never experienced it before but i mean i have a feeling it's kind of (laughs) like smashing your foot with a hammer you know like you're like well i've never felt that before (laughs) smack I'm good. Either you're a masochist or you're a right a normal person. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm sure I'm and don't get me wrong, I'm sure that standing in front of tons of people who are like, you know, screaming the lyrics to your song while you while you sing it, it's probably a fucking amazing feeling. You know, thinking back, that's probably one of the best feelings. Yeah. <laughs> or most rewarding feelings on stage. 
So that's that's why in one of the bands that I played in for a short time, there wasn't really any singing involved. I felt that I needed that. That's that, interesting. That chorus, you know, to be heard. I need I needed to experience that again because, you know, people enjoying the show is one thing, but people actually singing along and like looking at you and engaging while you're singing that's that's a really powerful feeling yeah yeah it is it really is part of the only reason i enjoy doing vocals live otherwise i don't really i don't want to i don't want to do it yeah (laughs) i don't feel like i'm that great all the time where i can constantly produce you know top-notch quality every show so i was always so self-conscious about that still am having someone sing with you that's it kind of helps it's like somebody holding me up you know with under my arms you know kind of helping keep me up so i don't fall yeah it's so like one time we were playing a show uh in oklahoma at in lawton oklahoma at a club called the railhead and experience that one yeah it's a wonderful place it's a wonderland of great great environment yes and uh and for whatever reason the the locals really really they were into it they really liked it they knew the music and they bought our shit and i mean it was it was way more uh it was way more profitable financially and otherwise to play lawton than it was to play our hometown because the club paid Mm -hmm. a little bit and then people there were into it enough and they were starved for real good music live music enough that they were buying the merchandise and all kinds of stuff. And it was always a good trip and, and really fun. And, um, I remember one time I was on stage and there was, I mean, the club was, I don't, I hesitate to say it was packed, but the, the front of the stage area was pretty packed. Yeah. People were really enjoying the show. And there was like a group of dudes there in a band called, um, Oh, what were they called? Um, it was a Back to the Future logo. Sugar Booger. No, it was like the Living Booger Daylights or, or Dead by First Light. Dead by First Light. That's what it was. Oh. And um, shout out to them. Yeah, shout out to them. They they were they were awesome, and um, they knew the lyrics to our songs. And I remember standing in front of stage and looking down, and just like these dudes, like just screaming along with me. I mean, they were doing a better job than I was at singing my own song, and I was just it was like pure joy goosebumps oh man i can't even and it was i mean it wasn't that many people it was like 50 people maybe yeah um and it was so i see why people the whole adrenaline thing i see why people get really addicted to that yeah especially if you have that many people familiar with you and you're hearing it constantly oh yeah like I, every day i couldn't imagine being on stage every other night in front of a crowd of a thousand or more people and having them do that yeah i would never I mean, it's such an imbalance that I think would come along with that. You know, yeah. you get off stage and you're like, fuck everything else. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it makes it sound like it's a good thing. It's not a good thing at all. Right. You know, uh, it's, it's like that. That's like with, uh, actors mm-hmm. and actresses, I guess, <clears throat> you know, just all that attention. It, it really fucks with people's heads. Yeah. You know, you can't enjoy the simple things without being on the lookout. You know, are you being judged? You being videotaped or taking a, a picture of i i think I, I feel paranoid enough that like walking around my own house that there's probably cameras somewhere here somewhere. <laughs> somebody has been in this house and put a camera somewhere you know I don't, <laughs> the NSA. Like, look, looking in a mirror and and picturing somebody just looking at me through that mirror i, I just, I've, I i've always had that feeling i don't know why 
sometimes I completely ignore it, but sometimes I feel like I'm in the Truman Show. Yeah. Where I'm just being observed at all times, and sometimes I'll just maybe turn around and like flip flip off the wall or something you know like and you know stop watching me it's not (laughs) i mean it's not honestly that far-fetched really Mm -hmm. i mean i'm not trying to feed your paranoia or anything but i mean it's kind of like it's it's probably worse when you have kids because um you don't know what your kids like especially once they're in school you don't know what they're bringing home Mm -hmm. and you don't know who they're talking to and you don't know who they're hanging out with or what they're learning I mean, we live in a different time than when I was a kid. Right. Yeah. Anything that you do and they, they tell a friend or mm-hmm. something, you know? Yeah. And, and, and people are so ultra sensitive about everything right now. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I've, I've heard horror stories of people like losing their children just because, you know, somebody spanked their kid and it's perceived as abuse, mm-hmm. you know, through fil- filtered through however many tellings of the story or whatever and yeah i mean god dude i couldn't imagine i love my children and um you know i couldn't i don't abuse my children but i couldn't imagine like my kid getting pissed off at me and mouthing off about it to one of his friends and his friend tells his mom and his mom's like ultra don't touch your kids right and she's like calling the fucking whatever that scares the shit out of me you know what else scares the shit out of me is is child care it, and it shouldn't because there's, there shouldn't be anything going on in a place where children are being taken care of. And you, you want to know, right? You want, of course. you want to be able to hold people accountable if they're abusing your children. But we now live in a time where there are, first of all, every single thing that we have is connected to the internet. Everything. If your camera, if you have security cameras and they're operating on a closed network, there is a way for somebody to break into that network and look through those cameras, right? So um, almost every single child care facility now has camera systems. And some of them go as far as having camera systems that you can just pop up on your anytime phone. Anytime you want to. Anytime you want to and, and look at what's going on. Um, and I don't know why I shouldn't be scared of that, but that frightens the shit out of me. I feel like there's something bad that could happen. Right. I could see that from both sides. A hundred percent for like, cause I, I would feel so much comfort knowing that I could watch, but yeah, if you flip the switch on that and think, well, someone else might be watching, like watching my kid. That's really odd. Right. You know, if it's a, if it's a group of kids. Yeah. It's a little creepy. It is very creepy. And you know, my wife, she was, she doesn't do this anymore, but she was recently uh, a nanny. She was a, a child care professional for all intents and purposes. And we were, she was providing the service for some friends of ours. Um, the uh, husband of this couple is in AV like I am. Uh-huh. We know how small cameras can be and how small microphones can be and how well they can hide. I mean, you've seen the, like the, the nanny cams and stuff that you hide yeah. in teddy bears and right. whatever. And, you know, of course, their daughter was like a part of our family. We would never do anything to fuck that up. Yeah. Um, but there's always this thing in the back of your mind. It's like the toys that they sent with her and stuff like that. It's like, is there a camera in there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a paranoid feeling. Yeah. But it, but it's a real possibility because, yeah, it, I, know, I mean, it's something I might do. If I was at all doubtful about where I was Sure. sending my child i might do something like that just yeah. to keep the honest honest right but then you're, and you're not doing anything malicious exactly it's it's, it's, it's it's complete 
normal intent. Right. But, you know, if, the, if you look at it from one different angle, it's like, that. no, man, that's don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It's really weird. Yeah. I don't know how we got here. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see a constant paranoia with, with kids, just, just that access or how they're being taught at any moment that they're not with you. Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of stuff they're picking up. I remember a lot of things when I was a kid that, you know, I didn't latch on to. Nothing is like sticking out, but I mean, the things that I would observe and then not really understand until like years later that maybe that was bad or, oh, that was a lie or, you right. know, that that wasn't true. <laughs> you right. know, connecting the dots later. Yeah. Not realizing being around my dad and his friends, you know, having some drinks or something. And I didn't think anything of it. But, you know, thinking about it now, I might think, well, that might not have been the greatest idea. Not, <laughs> not to say that I, I think that, but it makes it makes you kind of second guess how you were brought up and maybe what you how you should present yourself mm-hmm. in front of your kids and the people around your kids. And just I could totally I understand. I understand the uh, the parent paranoia of watching certain shows, not don't go across the street. You know? Right can't know i know there are four houses down but you can't go over there right you know i don't want you going over there and you just don't understand it when you're a kid yeah i mean yeah there's plenty of situations i was in thinking thinking back on it, it's like i should not have been in that place at that time yeah. <laughs> you know and and the, the funny thing is well it's not really funny it's just an interesting point is that people are different and so even your your children are not going to handle things exactly the way you handle them you, you have to, there's a, there's a certain amount of like, well, whatever happens, happens kind of mentality that comes into raising children. Sure. You know, like you, you do the best you can and you try and teach them and you try and control things, but there are just a lot of things that are not in your control. That's another human. Yeah. People are different. You yeah. Know? And you think about all the experiences you've had with other human beings where they've like going back to people who lose their shit in certain situations. Like a perfect example is I was at a, friend's wedding i was i was in a friend's wedding and uh his new wife's brother was also in uh, also a groomsman and you know we did the whole traditional go to a strip club for the bachelor party thing and i mean this dude like just uh, he had to spend fucking five thousand six thousand dollars i mean he fucking he was asking us all for money i mean he lost it it's like he had never seen a naked girl and i know for a fact he has i've heard stories but he was like you know he's this really hardcore conservative jesus guy and by day i guess (laughs) and we take him to a fucking strip club and he just we're all like oh you know buy a lap dance for the for the newlywed and and we're having fun and it's naked girls and it's whatever you know this particular place served amazing food and so we're eating a lot and drinking quite a bit and watching boobs because i personally like boobs and everybody in the group liked boobs and they were (laughs) close and um you know um this guy like I don't know. He just broke his, he broke the fucking bank. I mean, he, he spent tons of money and was really trying to bank on getting one of these girls to like, come home. We're like, dude, no, you just, 
that's not what you it's not what you want out of life you have you know? been bamboozled <laughs> right and it's and it's not that i have like a ton of experience with strip clubs well that's not true i have i have some experience with strip clubs uh but i feel like like at an early age i was exposed to some shit and maybe that's why like to porn and and whatever that now that stuff's not a big deal to me okay, um, yeah but then to this other guy i mean I see. I see what you're getting. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, he, he, if I don't know what his situation was, but there's no way he came out of that situation financially. Okay. Yeah. And, um, we, I mean, we tried to take care of, I mean, the dude's a, a grown adult. He's at least as old as I am. And, and, uh, you know, we try to be like, Hey dude, you need to chill. Like this isn't, it's not, I mean, we're not, we didn't just go buy eight pounds of fucking Coke and you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, chill out. And he just wouldn't have it. He's like, my money. And can I have some more, please? And he was going to, I mean, he was going to the, the ATM inside the strip club, which charges oh you $18. For, you know what I'm saying? And, and, uh, but it's like, as an example, it's like, how did he think that that was okay? Like, yeah. How did he lose control? Where, where did we go wrong in the raising here? Exactly. <laughs> or something. Or not wrong, but just like, what is, what is left out of his upbringing? Right. That led to this moment or is it just the fact that he's if that's just the way his personality his his hormonal yeah makeup reacts to that situation sure he just loses control and the biggest fear i have with my children is like you don't know which way to go it's like well do i just give no fucks and expose them to whatever at an early age so that they grow up really desensitized to it or is that actually directing them to be degenerates yeah later in life right, you know right like what's the That's decision a crap shoot, man yeah somebody that i knew would give their kid a sip of wine like i don't know 12 13 or something like at dinner mm-hmm. it's not a glass it's just you know hey can i have can i try it you know yeah right it's 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 grape juice whatever you know <laughs> fermented grape juice whatever it is so i thought what, what better place to do it in the home here in front of your family in a comfortable place than, mm-hmm. you know, at a stranger's house and you have too much or you like it and you have more or something, you know? So I think that that's a good, a good thing, a good experience. But at the same time, you know, like you said, you might be opening a door to something that you don't want to be opening a door to. No. And you know, that's sort of a weird situation too. My wife has recently been reading a book, uh, about, um, how to deal with kid because one of our one of our kids is going into like i mean he's he's seven this year so he's going into that stage of life where you know sex and puberty and you know penises and vaginas and boobs become way more important yes and so she's reading this book basically that was recommended by her pediatrician but she's reading this book basically about how how people deal with this phenomenon in other places in the world, specifically the author of the book, uh, I think lived in Holland. I'm from Holland. Holland. (laughs) I love gold. (laughs) And uh, is that weird? (laughs) Is that weird? Um, uh, Hollander, Amsterdam. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, they deal with that shit way differently over there. Sexuality means something completely different than it does here. We've, according to this book, uh, as Americans, we've been really conditioned to be afraid of this kind of stuff and not want to talk about it. And, Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I mean, I know we live in a time where there's a ton of heightened sensitivity about gender and what that means and sexuality and so on and so forth. So there's guaranteed to be a sort of rocky conversation, no matter who you're talking to about it. However, I find it interesting that in a lot of countries, for instance, when you go to the swimming pool, your kids are naked. They just shed their yeah. clothes and they run around naked. And it's not uncommon to see not, that. Right. And if somebody is being a creeper, the staff or whoever goes to that person they're like, hey, man, fucking gross. Get out of here. And the right. kids get to keep being naked together. Yeah. And so as they grow up, it's not a it's not a thing. Guys sleep over in this. And we're talking about, you know, um, we're talking about heterosexuality here. Uh, but in, I think in other places in nowadays, like any spectrum of sexuality is acceptable at a very early age. And it's sort of encouraged based on like what you're talking about. Like they would rather have that kind of stuff happen in a controlled environment Mm -hmm. where it's not being demonized and it's not made to be taboo. And it's sort of this ongoing progression. Sexuality is like a journey, not like uh, you are a virgin and now you are not a virgin. And that is right. the whole definition. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, teenagers are invited over to spend the night at their significant other's houses by the parents because they know it's going to happen anyway. I mean, I that was what I was striving for when I was, you know, a hormonal teenager. I was trying to get laid. And so that's generally speaking anybody in any spectrum of sexuality that's what they want at that age because that's the way we're programmed yeah that's just physiological yeah but in this country where where it's like no god god no and in other places in the world they're like well it's gonna happen so if it's gonna happen let's make sure that nobody gets royally fucked i mean no pun intended Uh by the situation Uh um so there's this big question of well you know Okay, so by uh, by really discouraging our children from engaging in these activities um, and, you know, you're too young for that kind of mentality, are we, in fact, exacerbating the situation? Yes. Are we actually directing them to do it because we're making it so taboo that not only are we encouraging them to do it subconsciously, but we're also setting up a situation where something fucked up might happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of things involved. Consent is a big thing now. And, yep. and you know, are you hurting someone else? Do you know what you're doing? Are you being safe? Do you know do you have the tools to be safe so that maybe someone has a less chance of getting pregnant or or whatever? Yeah. You know, are you thinking it through? Right. Right. Is it a, is it a decision that that two people have made together or is it like somebody forcing the issue? You don't know because you're not fucking around because you discouraged your kids. You made your kid afraid to talk to you about it. Yeah. You know? Right, right. And I totally get that. Right. That but, was... but then there's that other side of it. Like, well, okay, but am I making it okay? Am I making yeah. a, a behavior that's not acceptable in our society? Yeah. Then you get a kid like masturbating in the in the class or in the, well, the restroom you know? or something. Like, well, it's, it's, I thought it was natural. Like, I right. didn't think anyone was going to get upset. Right. <laughs> you know? Or you're dealing with, with a kid like, you've raised your kid to be like very open sexually and talk about it and whatever, but their significant other and by happenstance that significant other's parents are not the same. They don't feel the same way about it. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's like, what do you say when something happens? 
well, they were, they were caught philandering each other in in the bathroom at the school and you know, their fucking parents want blood. The girl's parents want blood or yeah, you know, the right, guy's parents right. want blood and he needs to go to a kid jail. Right. And and then your kid's like, well, what the fuck? You know, like I thought this wasn't that big of a Dad deal. Dad said it was okay. Right. <laughs> it's like we live in a weird time and we live in a strange place yeah. and it's not easy to raise children right now. No, no um, totally get that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a weird situation. I mean, because also if you're exposing your kid, uh, thinking that it's going to be okay, or, or you're trying to familiarize your kid with something, your kid might be familiarizing another kid that mm-hmm. has no clue, and maybe the message doesn't come out right, and right. that kid has now learned something very, uh, very important, learned it wrong, and that could be it could be a bad thing. That's exactly right. You have no idea because <laughs> everybody takes everything different. We're all different people. It's true. And, and if you're already at eight, nine, 10, you've experienced eight, nine, 10 years of a specific environment. And someone has just shattered that with, look at this video. This guy's big peepee right. shooting I mean, stuff on that's this exactly lady. what happened to me right you so I, I i grew up in this little town called rockport texas and it was small town that is a small town and when i was a kid it was even smaller and i mean it was literally like one day i didn't know anything about anything this is i mean how old was i maybe four five four and I go hang out with some friends after school and they're watching a porn and it was like, what in the actual fuck are these people doing? I mean, it literally was like that. It was like all of a sudden my entire perspective on life changed. I became yeah. very obsessed with my dick and wanting to put it in things, you know, and it's like, <laughs> it's like, I mean, it does. It's like you awaken to your physiology. Yeah, right. Right. And those that can, that can, that visual stimulation can be very, uh, stimulating huh. <laughs> you know at, at such an early age too i mean people right. like to assume that kids that are so young don't have those kinds of urges and stuff like that but it's totally not true yeah it's, especially when they're made aware of like that's what big yeah or big they, people they do. think that if it's that they're they're not really aware it, right. it's just curiosity and it'll it'll go away you know it's not like not like they know what their pp does right you know but you don't know what they've seen right that's exactly right and and given the the kind of situation we live in, like just the way our society is, more than likely they're not going to talk to you about it because we're right. all conditioned to think that it's bad, naughty. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, you shouldn't be watching that. You know, <laughs> you shouldn't be watching that porn. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying it's like, well, <sighs> there's just a man. There's a zigzag in there somewhere of what know, do you do? Bouncing back and forth. You have to kind of same between the lines i right. guess you know like no you you can't just watch porno all the time as as much as i'd love to that is an adult pp right it's an yeah. adult <laughs> vagina i mean how do you yeah i have to pee pp yeah i have to pee now i'm gonna go pee Pause. you can't stop me Pause. okay so from from here watch me from here on out i'm gonna get weird <sighs> let's get weird Okay, this is the perfect time. This is the perfect time for a transition from one subject to the next. 
this is one thing that I wanted to talk about with somebody. I think you might have some input on this. So, YouTube. No one has... Uh, well, yeah, they do. They have, uh, like, a downvote. Thumbs down thing. Mm-hmm. But dislike button on YouTube. Yeah. You have like and dislike. I'm thinking of Facebook. There's no... Correct. You, there's other reactions or whatever. But YouTube, you actually have a dislike button. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that in regards to music? Well, I feel I feel two ways about it, and they are in conflict, and I'm okay with this. But, um, you know, not the first way, but one of the ways that I feel about it is it kind of sucks because I feel like. <clears throat> I feel like it's it's sort of a shame for other people to be given such an innocuous way of discouraging somebody from expressing themselves in an artistic form. Art is art. Period. End of story. Full stop. If you don't understand it, you don't have to consume it. Right. 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 We're not we're not forced to stare at anything. We're not forced to listen to anything. I mean, do I believe that that there are standards. Yes, but they're my standards. I, I mean, we're, we don't agree on, on every piece of music we hear, you right. know, we agree a lot of on stuff, but you like some stuff I don't and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And there are reasons for that. Being able to articulate those reasons, I think is extremely important. And a thumbs down is not any kind of articulation, right? If you want to express to somebody why you don't, like what they've done or if you would like to give somebody some sort of criticism be it constructive or otherwise i feel like words become very very important and a thumbs down is a way for someone to how do i express this i feel like a thumbs down makes it very easy for someone to arbitrarily make someone feel a certain way about some something they've created okay you know, they, and I mean, somebody clicking the, first of all, let's just say, for instance, people who accidentally click thumbs down thinking they're clicking thumbs up because they're computer shitty or they're old or whatever. So there's this accidental, like you suck. There's one. Yeah. And then there are people who are just fucking trolls and who have 10 accounts and will give you 10 dislikes. Yeah. Just because I mean, all of, all of that. And, and, you know, there's another you suck. And then there's people who, um, there's people who are so focused on what they like. They think that anything outside of that, whatever they've defined, those things that they have defined, which by the way, changes over time, no matter who you are, nobody goes their entire life only liking that one Elmo song that they heard when they were three. Yeah. Right. So, um, it's an evolving thing and there are people like that and there's a lot of people like that. And a lot of those people are really addicted to technology and they hang out in places that give them the ability to give someone else a thumbs down. And there's another you suck. And I think that there's a lot of probably beautiful art that we don't get to hear or see or experience because, and Oftentimes artists are, are very sensitive to the way others feel about them. Sure. And, and some of them deal, a lot of artists deal with 
tons of depression and stuff like that. It's stuff I don't really know much about, but I know that a lot of my colleagues deal with it on a day-to-day basis. And um, that's just very unproductive. That's, a, that's, that's giving people a very easy way to kill art. Right, right. Now, that being said, you have to learn how to deal with criticism as an artist. It is a must. It is an absolutely hand. If you cannot deal with any criticism whatsoever, no matter how simplified that is, it's going to be very hard for you to ever share that art with anyone. Right. You, it's a gamble. It's a risk. And mm-hmm. yes, everyone's a tied. Everyone's emotionally tied to something that they've created. But when you put it out there for, for public display, you're accepting this risk that people aren't going to like it. Yeah, definitely. That's a, it's like a test. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you put it out there <clears throat> only expecting to hear praises, then it might be a little bit delusional yeah. and inexperienced. Well, and I honestly think it's, it's at the end of the day, it shouldn't matter. Right. If nobody likes your shit or is, is that why you're doing it? Yeah, exactly. Or is it something that comes from the inside? You know, I, we all poop. We all take dumps. Oh, I leave them. You. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sorry. I know I went there. You are more correct than I. <laughs> so I never say that. By we, the way. We, human, <laughs> human beings excrete what they have consumed. Right. Sure. Um, and, it, and there's nothing you can do about it. For me, music is kind of like that. I mean, yeah, technically I can make the decision to never touch a musical instrument. It's not going to happen because it's something it, well, my voice really like tore. That was really weird. (laughs) It's not going to happen because I can't help, but, but do things. Even if it's just sitting at my desk being like, yeah, you know, it's like, I can't stop moving. Can't stop it. And that's the way most artists are. I'm not going to sit here and be elitist and be like, well, a real artist. This is the way they are. I know that that's not the they case. Hit beats. For they hit beats while they're sitting at a desk. Yeah. Can't stop themselves. It's true. It's true. So if that's the reason you're doing it, just keep doing it and don't care. Right. Stop caring so much about what people, other people think. Take the criticism, you know, use it as a lesson. You know, if you're really trying, I mean, I, I don't see anything wrong with aiming for something. I, that's real for me. That's actually that's where the shit gets real because there's like this specific intent behind something you've constructed. Yes, it might be money, but you have to, you have to attain something to do that musically, right? Or whatever. And, and so that's like fucking real shit right there because you've like designed a piece of artwork that you're literally controlling pieces, people's minds. You're gambling on the fact that like a mass amount of people are going to have this reaction and therefore you get the money. Yeah. Right. Um, but you know, if nobody likes it, it shouldn't matter really. Like you just doing what you do and, and it should make you happy. Yeah. I feel like that's it. We've gotten to this point where like people, it's like, if there's no such thing as people doing something because that's what people do. People make art because that's what people do. Not because, you know, well, this guy's no good at it. If I'm not any good at it, I don't want to, I don't want to participate in it. You know, that, that mentality hasn't been around forever. There was a time period when like being a musician, like having music in your home, that was considered, you were considered abnormal if you weren't doing that, no matter how good or bad it was. 
Yeah. Everybody sat around. That's what they did for fun. Like we watch TV now. Right. People used to sit around a piano and sing fucking carols and shit. Yeah. Yeah. And what happened now? It's like, well, if, if I'm not just turn it on over there. Right. Put it on that little device. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love it though. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. But being able to engage, like sit down with an acoustic with some, some friends, that still, mm-hmm. that still happens. Still, oh, it does. still possible. And it's, it's nice. Yeah. I don't see it very much. No. Because everybody expects. But I don't party very much anymore anyway. It's like, I would love to just, well, that's true. That's very true. But I mean, seriously, I would, I would love to go to some place where, where somebody's like got a guitar and they're just not very good at singing or playing guitar, but they're playing and they're smiling and they're like, I know I'm not good. Fuck this. This is awesome. Yeah. People who just really just let it go. Yeah. And you, you can, I don't know. It's like the passion just completely negates any out of key stuff or whatever it's like that's you don't see that very often yeah. and when you do it's it's a different experience it's kind of hard to describe it's true people are trying so hard i i'm i'm guilty of the same thing where it's like we're expected to be good if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna show someone to your balls they better be shaved <laughs> you know what i'm saying they better be slick no stubble smooth like eggs yeah if you've got one hair one stride no matter how hard it is for you to see your balls if you have one hair out of place or there at all we don't like you we don't like you as a person you should die (laughs) you know that being said if you want to be good you have to fucking practice (laughs) i'm talking all this shit like ah it doesn't matter but if really honestly if you have a passion for something and you want to get good at it let's work at it do it all the time yeah I got a friend. And that should be okay. I got it. Yeah, it should be. Okay. You love it. That's right. It should be okay to be the type of person who really doesn't want to do anything else too. You know? Yeah. We, we really, I feel like we come down hard on, on people who, who totally negate their social skills because they're too busy in their room playing, practicing guitar. Yeah. That was me. I didn't go to a lot of parties. Yeah. Same here. I would play the guitar. I, I did once I once I started being in a band. It's like I, I, I ended up being at parties a lot, but like yeah, that that changed yeah. for sure. That was you're around a little bit different a group of people. Yeah, most of the time, I guess. And a lot of times it was it was literally just friends. Yeah, we're just a lot of us together at one time, so there wasn't this like anxiety. I get anxiety going to social gatherings now. Like I don't I don't like even the thought of forming a new relationship with someone. <laughs> it seems like a lot of effort. I'm sorry. It I mean, is. It is. You know, it's, I, I know that makes me sound like I mean, everybody, an no, asshole. I say everybody, a lot of people don't have uh, the attention span anymore to really engage as it is. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> a well, lot of times it's not worth it. Yeah. And, I hate to and, say. and then sometimes, well, there's a risk involved because sometimes you six days into knowing someone and the other shoe drops, you know, all yeah. of a sudden you get a phone call. Hey man, ah, can I stay, can I stay with you for a couple days, a couple weeks? Dude, I fucking, what? Really? I'm 40. <laughs> what? It happens. Yeah. You know, form a new relationship and somebody seems really cool and then they're not. Yeah. You know, but you have to sort of see it out. You have to see it through because maybe they're that one exception where it's like, yeah, no, nah, they're just in a tight spot. Yeah, this isn't normal. This doesn't happen all the time. Right. But it's always it does. <laughs> <laughs> it always turns. I mean, at least with my luck, it always turns out to be like, oh, yeah, I, sh- I could have really made a better decision like two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. So back to the dislike button. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I I agree. 
with everything you said. The ability to use that for some videos is great because you can use it for misinformation. That would make much more sense than disliking uh, somebody's video, rock video, just because like I don't like the way that dude sings. Dislike that. Yeah. You know, I'm going to tell my friends to dislike it too. It sucks. Right. And then you comment, this sucks. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, what good does it really do? Like, like you said, I mean, to offer some honest criticism, yeah, all for it. You know, if you want to dislike and accompany it with that, I would respect that at least. But to just dislike something to just because you, it's not your thing. Yeah. Like, I, there's so many things I've heard on YouTube and seen that I hate. <laughs> I didn't like in the slightest, but I don't think I've ever disliked a video. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel like, I, I, if I, I have, it's because something was wrong. Like there, it's incorrect, not yeah. right. Not because I didn't agree with something or, or whatever. It's like factually wrong. And yeah, that might deserve some. Yeah. It's a little fucked up because it, it becomes a, a measurement tool. And I mean, people's lives can be affected by that. They literally, you know, musical careers are a perfect example. I just keep going back to this because that's what I know. But, you know, you set up a or you approach a label, you're, you approach somebody who, who might loan you some money to get your business going. And the first thing they're going to do is go to YouTube, see what you've posted, go to Facebook, see what you've posted. And they're going to be looking at that. How many dislikes? How many likes? Yeah. And it becomes a tool. It's like, well, we got to pass because you guys. You have bad representation. Right. For one thing. You know doesn't matter if the music's any good yeah people don't like you i can't make money therefore you know well no it's not that people don't like me it's this those are the only people talking yeah <laughs> the other people aren't hitting the like button yeah that's what i that's what i was saying the other day in, in uh, my other podcast about how our mentality is people can go to a restaurant all year long and have great experiences and not do anything about it they just keep coming back and eating but when they have a bad experience, mm -hmm. you were going to get on Yelp or whatever immediately mm -hmm. and write a shit review, one star, just tell everybody that this place is terrible because you had to wait five minutes longer than you normally do or whatever, mm -hmm. but you've been there 30 other times or, or maybe not any time at, at all. It's, it's, just, it's just a negative experience that you want to share. You want people to feel your pain. You want to be able to... I don't know, talk shit about somebody or something. I, you know, yeah, I feel like there's there's like a little bit of the uh, need for vengeance involved in that. People feel like they were uh, wronged in some way, and yeah. and they, I mean, so I don't know. It's like I it's like I use this really interesting. Makes me feel bad actually. That's an interesting statement because I use reviews like that to like make a prejudgment on a place or a thing, and that factors into whether or not i give that certain thing money yeah i am the same way i i it's it's not all the time that i think wow i wonder how many people actually liked this that didn't say anything and right. i think about all the time all the things that i've really enjoyed and i haven't shared that experience and it's just a uh, i don't know you don't realize yeah. that it becomes very dangerous actually if you think about it in a creative situation because our creative choices actually I mean, some some people would make the argument that a, a lot of our creativity and our creative choices are, in fact, byproducts of our phys physiology. That like there's things that are involved that make you decide 
you know, 99% of your life is basically planned out by your hormonal makeup. Right. Yeah, and your, yeah, your environment right. as well. No, so no free will. Right. And there's a lot of things exactly. It's, it's scary, but there's some people who make that argument, but I feel like in a lot of creative choices, there are things that can alter your perception, not just drugs. It's a good one, but things that can alter your perception about what you're viewing, experiencing, or otherwise at that time, right? Hearing, seeing, and seeing 4,000 thumbs down <laughs> and three thumbs up, I guarantee it that there is, uh, you can factor that in. It probably factors in fairly heavily to how you're going to perceive whatever that thing is attached to. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, I'm not saying that, I mean, probably it's a good bet. If if a piece of music online is 4,000 thumbs down, three thumbs up, probably going to listen to it and be like, well, okay, I can see why. But... <laughs> But thinking about it in a just world, it, you know, it would be much better without that. Just the experience would be much better without that. It almost might be better if that shit was hidden until you elected to see it. Like, or, or, or it's like <clears throat> set up uh, maybe where you can like it or thumbs up, whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you dislike or thumbs down, you have to offer a reason why. Yeah. Response required. Yeah. Yeah. That's whatever. Just make bunch people of, hold bunch of snowflakes. You gotta have validation in it. <laughs> uh, whatever, man. It's it, it's just like you said, criticism. It's you. You took the the time and the effort to show that you dislike something. Why? Yeah. What? What? I mean, if if it's just malicious, then you know maybe that wouldn't. Someone would probably just type like "you suck." You know, that's, right. that's why. Yeah. <laughs> but still. It's effort, you know. If some people might might want to avoid that step because you have that's it's one more step you have to do. You can't just dislike it, close it. You have to dislike it and type in something more than eight words, right? You know? Right. So that could be a deterrent. I think that might be a good solution for that. That's true. I'll call it, YouTube at tomorrow. the very least. It yeah, it just makes people hold themselves accountable. Oh fuck! If I'm gonna shit on this guy's you know parade, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to give reason why but i really just want to shit all over his parade well make you think i just you, wanted to make it. you feel bad about yourself you yeah know? yeah I just mean, being honest lol right <laughs> <laughs> not sorry not sorry yeah yeah but i mean yeah that's that's how i feel about it i, think. I agree with that I, I i mean i think that would be man honestly that's a great idea because you could apply that in so many different aspects of life not just like youtube but like anything even like the the real life shit outside the internet like we'll go back to clubs like we're talking about clubs and shit if you sent a cd to someone let's say they would be required to say like you know hey like a label does you know well we're really not taking any more at this time here's a couple of pointers whatever sure but just silence same thing with job interviews i feel like like employers, when they're going through the interview process, they have, they should give you a fucking reason if they're not going to call you back. If they say, we'll call you and let you know if we need you, they should, they should at some point call you and go, we're not going to need you. <laughs> we'll send you a text if we don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> Something, but just fucking silence. Uh, uh, I mean, the, I've had employers before where like, I'll get the job five months after I interviewed and not hear from these people for three months at a time. And it's like, 
you know, I've got a job by now, right? Right. What the fuck? But you have to like make that decision. You never know how much they're going to offer you, whatever. And I know it's just money, but it's still fucking inconsiderate. Yeah. You know, be accountable. Yep. If you say, we'll let you know, let me know. Well, we just didn't want to hurt your feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid. If my feelings get hurt. You're stupid. I mean, at least there's closure, you know? Yeah. There's a, there's accountability. Yeah. Well, people, it's, it's an open door for somebody and they're leaving it open. Because they think something might walk through. Mm-hmm. Shit, man. Close the door. Yeah. I mean, I know that doesn't... Re- it's weird. That, uh, it's weird that that would relate to the thumbs down thing. But I, I, I feel like they're analogous, sort of. Sure. You know? It's like, well, thumbs down. Well, why? I worked really hard on this. Yeah. You know? What part? Right. What part did you not like? Yeah. Or or, or it wasn't even... Oh, it's not that I didn't like it. I just... Yeah. Uh, it's too loud. Yeah, yeah. Something, some other reason. Everything's distorted. Well, I don't really know what I'm doing. Yeah. Got any hints? Well, I said <laughs> on here that it, <laughs> yeah. it might sound weird because I recorded it with potato. Yeah. <laughs> if we could only record with potatoes. <laughs> I eat a lot of potatoes. Very starchy sound. <laughs> Let's see. I'm going to see if I can uh, spark up another. Uh, uh, spark up another uh, what am I call it subject here. All right. You thought I was gonna say joint. <laughs> well, now that you said that, no. It, Let's spark it, up the conversation. <laughs> it's funny. My mind goes down a rabbit hole. I start thinking more about this thumbs down thing, and my mind starts. <laughs> Man, if you really had to say something of all the things, if people were just forced to talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I was going to say. That's that's the whole, I think that's part of the infatuation with podcasting is is observing more people's conversations about sometimes hard subjects. That people don't talk anymore. It's all through text and you it's lose. Like, it's an event. Look at this. Yeah. We're just having a conversation and it's like this fucking production. We ha- yeah, we have <laughs> to have a produced conversation. <laughs> Let's schedule this conversation. Yeah. Or at the very least, it's become so rare that it's now considered a spectacle. Yeah, you know, sure. <gasps> Those people are talking to each other. Weird. Why are they doing that? Eventually, you watch. Eventually, it's going to be like you have to have like a license, a license to talk. Yeah, to talk to another person. Yeah. Where's your conversation license? Right. It's expired. <laughs> Off with its head. <laughs> oh. So we mentioned so, reincarnation, but we haven't talked about it. Oh, that's true. Whatsoever. Yeah. What are your thoughts so, on reincarnation? Well, one thing that I thought of, my nose is starting to get, it's starting to close. <laughs> it's starting to close while I have a breather. Right you should have, on. you should have had a camera at that point. That was amazing. Someone has taken that picture before. Really? I'll share it with you. Oh no, I saw it. It wasn't that long ago, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Um, that is amazing that you could, that looks like it hurts. Oh, it, feels, hurt? it feels really good. Just pulling pulling down and out <laughs> your nostrils gaping holes in my nasal cavities now i feel like i've got boogers like, yeah like it peeled off the sides and okay nasty. <laughs> uh, so my thought process or yes. uh, uh about reincarnation here so an example quick example uh, believing in reincarnation that's a question but 
whether the answer is yes or no, picture this scenario, I guess. What if you uh, kill a fly one day and that fly is reincarnated into a bear and that bear just so happens to be in the park that you visit 30 years later and eat your head and you're dead. It, would that even be a possible possibility there? It, would, would, would humans interchange with animals or, or does that require some sort of consciousness or is that, would that be a thing or would it just be strictly through species? I, th I think species. <clears throat> well, okay. So this is just my opinion, just my personal philosophy. Um, and it's purely a theory. You know what we should do? Hmm. Philosophy. You said it fast. So mm -hmm. it was almost like flaw. Like oh. philosophy. This is my <laughs> philosophy, you know, because it could be flawed. That's right. How about that? That's good. <laughs> I like it. That's a million dollar fucking idea. Okay. So, um, I don't know if I buy into the idea of an afterlife, um, because it's hard to get my head around. I don't know if I buy into the idea of like a God or like there being some sort of rules or whatever. I mean, a rule rules anyway that were consciously designed. Don't know if I buy into that. I'm mm -hmm. not saying it didn't happen. I just don't know. Right. I am uninformed. Can't prove it. Right. Um, however, I read, um, an interesting article recently where it talked about, um, Einstein and this is, this is going to be really cliche, but, Einstein and Schrodinger having a conversation, I think by mail. Yeah, that's that time period. Um, talking about uh, quantum theory. And they're specifically talking about in entanglement, I think. I might be re recollecting this wrong. But um, <clears throat> they they were both, I think, sort of concerned about the implications of uh, quantum entanglement. Because... Quantum entanglement is where two completely separate particles can share the same information. And at its base level, the, everything that, that we know exists is simply information. It's, you know, uh, at its basic building blocks, it's just kind of this fuzzy mess of probability. Okay. Um, so we know that there are fundamental particles that make up at least that we've gotten down to that make up reality and that once you get small enough, those particles don't behave like we, we understand matter to behave in things of our size Two diff two completely different objects can share the same information, which means that they're made of the same thing. And, and they're, when one is measured, you affect the state of the other. And, um, we're, just recently discovering that that sort of um, entanglement stretches to not only space, but time. So two things can share the same information in two different places and at two different times. Particles that make up everything. At its fundamental level, I am the same as a bear. The fly is the same as the bear, and I am the same as the fly. So... Theoretically, at any point in time, we could actually all be the same thing eating itself, which means that, yes, I think the fly 
could in fact be reincarnated, reincarnated, air quotes, air quotes, to be the bear. But I would take that a step further and say, not only could it be the bear that eats you, but it could literally be happening at the same time. You could literally kill the fly as the bear is eating you. The bear could eat you. I don't believe you. <laughs> I'm having trouble putting words to it now, but yeah, like, yeah, if two different particles can share the same information at, at any given time and at any given distance, then yes, the fly could be the bear and they could be the bear at the same time. My mind has exploded. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I don't know a lot about quantum theory, but, uh, it's kind of weird wizard sorcery stuff. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a whole different level of convo there. Yeah. I need a Einstein here. Yeah. In fact, they did this um, experiment, I think, recently where they took a photon, which is a basic particle, and um, I probably need to look this up so I don't fuck it up, but they took a photon and they measured it so they had its information and there was some sort of transference where that photon was essentially destroyed. And then they measured another photon in a completely different space after the first photon was destroyed and it had the same information. They displayed the same information. They took the same measurement, right? They were entangled even though they didn't exist at the same time. So they think that the theory the going theories is that quantum entanglement, non-locality as they call it, um, transcends time okay yeah so i don't know if i fully if i fully understand but it reminds me of the movie interstellar mm -hmm. did you see that mm -hmm. something similar to that yeah a paradox like you know people have always operated under this assumption i mean i I don't know if this is a, an invention of Hollywood or if it's just the way people thought about it early on and that's uh, been perpetrated through our media and stuff. But generally speaking, everybody keeps assuming that paradoxes are bad, that there's these, you know, well, once you in it, enter into a paradox, you could destroy the universe or you'll be yeah, stuck yeah. in this fucking loop or whatever. Right. Um, but I think when you start really brainstorming about quantum theory and all it implies, you realize that paradoxes are in fact not only possible, but they could be a large percentage of what makes up the universe and why we shouldn't necessarily be so afraid as to invent, dare I say it, conscious beings that designed everything, you know, um, it could, I think be very inspirational if you look at it for, from a certain perspective. Yeah. Yeah. If you are the same as the fly, the fly is the same as the bear and you are the same as the bear. Um, then it doesn't, I mean, that's kind of cool because it really doesn't matter that you kill the fly or that the bear killed you. You're like actually fucking spinning in this like beautiful sort of dance of existence. What yep. you should fear is when the bear doesn't eat you anymore. When the dance of eternity. Right. You know, if the, if you stop killing the fly and the bear stops killing you, does that mean you don't exist now? Would you rather You're be for not exist? forever stuck in this, this position? Yeah. But then again, it might destroy the universe, so I don't know. Yeah. Maybe paradoxes really are bad. I don't know. Great Scott! <laughs> yeah. Marty! <laughs> huh. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's some crazy stuff, man. Yeah. It's a window into a completely different dimension. Yeah. That stuff blows my mind. Um, do you know Eric Weinstein? I don't. You should check him out. I will. That's another. He's been on Joe Rogan's a few times, and that's that is an interesting person. Yeah. Very intellectual. He's got a lot of knowledge. But the most recent one, he's starting his own podcast. And he's talking about, like, leaving the planet. <laughs> Finding the portal to leave. <laughs> the way nice. You'd have to hear him explain what he's talking about. But that was very interesting. So it's kind of that same thing. I will check it out. Uh, you'll have to... I'm no good with the names. You'll have to text me the name again. I'll text you. Text me. My people will get with your people. <laughs> we'll do We'll do lunch. We'll do lunch together. But yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, going back to that whole thing, like if, if two particles over any distance can share the same information at the same time, then that means the normal experience that we, the normal limitations we have with distance, in fact, are time. Is that it takes so long to go farther, we can't get anywhere. Yeah. So... If we could somehow transfer the information to another locality without having to worry about this idea of time in between, time and distance are non-relational. Man, it's like it would be like and uh, Mario, Mario Brothers, you know, going down the pipe and you enter a whole new world or yep. whatever. It's like that. That's probably what black holes are. They're probably just like portals that we're scared to go into. Could be. We have no idea where it's going to go or where where uh, we would end up. The shitty thing is, is that get back. as far as we know right now, right. As far as we know right now, it's like a one-way trip. Yeah, sure. So you'd never know. Did he die? Yep. Turn into spaghetti. What if you, yeah, what if you actually did make it somewhere, but you died, you know, along the way, and then you're, you're dead on and... Uh, doa yeah exactly <laughs> that's what i was looking for yeah uh that's that would suck yeah yeah because <laughs> then i mean then it's like you don't know yeah i don't know man um so yes i i think reincarnation is possible in some form of fa yeah. Or yeah. fashion i also think reincarnation it's possible that reincarnation is not possible if that makes any sense that's I possible. Could, i'm saying that i think reincarnation is possible i could be wrong possible Pro probably, Pro it's probably high, highly improbable. Pro probably, <laughs> uh, you like shake your jowls when you do that. Oh, it's probably. The Jetsons. <laughs> Jetson. <laughs> Spacely. What was his name? Something Spacely. Spacely Sprockets. Spacely, Spacely Sprockets, Sprockets was the name of the business, and he was Mister Spacely. Mister Spacely, yeah. Mister Ned Spacely. <laughs> <laughs> Old Ned. Okay, well that's uh, that that that's cool for Wachuma. Who's it for reincarnation? Yeah. What time is it? Holy shit! It's nine oh two one oh. Ha <laughs> ha. Nah, nah. What do you? Uh, is it time to cut it off? Um, maybe. Do we have? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Hold on, let me find it. Okay. <laughs> I had it earlier. Oh. Do you dream? 
And if so, how often and how lucid? Um, I used to dream a lot. I don't dream as much anymore. Um, when I do dream enough, at least not that I remember when I do dream enough to remember, it's usually very vivid and I don't think I'm ever fully lucid. I think there have been times when I have been, I don't know if this makes any sense, but sort of under the sneaking suspicion that what I was experiencing may not be the end of the world or the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. Um, um, but I think that's a, probably a rarity, you know, exception. Yeah. Mostly when I dream it, and it's weird. My dreams are so, um, there's no in between. They're either ho hum or I'm like fucking flying. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Right. It's either some menial task. Um, been screwing the screw into this wood pointlessly for like days or it's like, you know, I'm fucking actually like two seconds of your dream. Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing too. Um, I've had some issue, like experiences like that where I know that I'm, I'm taking a nap, you know, and I have, I try to take like 15, 20 minute naps, no longer than that. So I know that it didn't last that long, but I feel like I experienced hours worth of, adventure or something you know <laughs> yeah time dilation is it's fucked crazy so that yeah. maybe that's a part of the escape portal black hole could be perceiving of, another dimension yeah yeah maybe we're, we're tapping into it because we're completely you're not thinking about it mm-hmm. your, your mind is open to whatever your mind is open to yeah i hope that'd be fucking cool if that's i really also <laughs> really do think we do have some sort of collective conscious oh yeah there's just there's so many times where I, i'm thinking of somebody people do this all the time you think of somebody and they call you later you haven't talked to them in three years mm-hmm. why did they all of a sudden call you yeah what are the odds you know what what's going on there yeah well that and i mean <clears throat> you know i i feel like there are some measurable aspects to like the more people you have in a room there's some things you can measure about that room that seem really far-fetched and or and or sometimes oversimplified to us like you know like where people's attention are it's easy to 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 where people's attention is it's easy to sort of just slough off the fact that ah oh, well if there's some visual stimulation of course everybody's going to look the same way but if you think about or if there's some audio stimulation of course everybody's going to look the same way but if you you know if you think about really how powerful that is like that an entire group of people can be controlled by one human being mm-hmm. with some some of those people might be so far away they can't even see that human being but if enough of people around them look the same way they also go they turn and they look and it's yeah. like i've seen those elevator experiments mm-hmm. that's that's wild yeah people stepping over invisible lines yeah. and like and <laughs> changes traffic and all kinds of shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's, I believe that there's a collective conscious and I believe that it's totally real and visible and right in front of everybody's face. But people, I don't know. People discount the normal shit too much. They're not observing. They're not opening their eyes. Yeah. I mean, just look at our technology. We are, I mean, now more so than ever a collective conscious, you know? I, 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 and I know what you're saying. Like, yes, I believe that there's something beyond, uh, what we can, 
describe with like the five or six senses we have um, going on. I do believe that, that there's some neural connection there. And I think it, it manifests itself through our technology and our creations. And, you know, this is going to get kind of maybe arbitrary, but have you ever looked at a picture of the, the known universe now, like the mapped universe? Not recently. So we have a pretty big relative map of our known universe right now. It's like, I think it's 14,000 light years or something out. And you look at it and you hold it up next to a picture of of, nerves or something. Yes. Right. I think I've seen that illustration. You have a neural pathway and it's exactly the fucking same. Yeah. Exactly the same. Now this is me getting a little hokey. I don't necessarily think that that's a coincidence. Um, I, there used to be the show called through the wormhole narrated by Morgan Freeman. And it was sort of this like pop culture it was pre, um, I don't want to say pre Neil deGrasse Tyson cause he was around, but it's pre his like fame. Sure. And, um, but it was like all that kind of stuff that he always talks about and has made very famous and so on and so forth. And every, every episode was different and they had this one episode. Um, I think it was the one about the God experience where they would put, magnets up to people's heads and people would swear to swear that there's other people in the room and shit. And I think on this episode, he talked about how like it's a possibility that we're all experiencing a simulation created by our future selves being projected from within that there's like evidence and reality going back to quantum physics, like how particles behave. They behave a lot like pixels in a video game. And, you know, they switch on and off and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, that there's this, like, theory. I don't know if it's a going theory, but, you know, for deep thinkers of way more intelligence than I am, that I have, there's this, like, theory that we are, in fact, experiencing a video game. It's like a simulation. Right. But it's our future selves that's made it. And we're just, we're not really them. We're, like, just... Ex- people in the simulation we're yeah. experiencing the simulation I, I i've never heard uh, that it's it would be theorized to be the future us i've just heard the you know simulation theory yeah and i think people the reason people say that is because you have to at this point discount another intelligent design behind that like if you don't believe that there's like a god and you don't believe that there's magic and you don't believe that that there's aliens and i'm not saying there aren't uh, any of those things. It's just, we don't have real evidence yet of those things. Mm -hmm. Then if it's a simulation, it's made with technology that's well beyond what we have right now. Right. The only people who could be responsible for that technology is us right now until we discover evidence of other things. Right. It would have to be yes. So it would have to follow then that it was our future selves because of the way, you know, that technology develops and stuff. Yeah. If it's a, it's a, the only other, the only other explanation could be, it's some sort of like, uh, you know, conspiracy. We're all being controlled by some machine that was, or is, has been built by people. Right. But then that would still have to be, it'd be like the matrix then at that point. It would still have to be our future selves. Yeah. There would be another existence mm-hmm. somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That's intense. Yeah. That's some intense stuff. Yeah, man. 
I like that a lot. The future. Yeah. So that's it's. I, I feel like the the technology of uh, you know as far as the connections that we were talking about, um, I feel like maybe that could be part of the evolution process where we create. <clears throat> we don't realize that we have the collective conscious, so we create it digitally, and we're connected that way because we don't realize that we can access that. However, we access it, whether it's psychedelics or training your brain to open up that receptor or whatever. Yeah. That could be something too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like we, you know, it's totally possible. I mean, humans have been around, we haven't been around for that long, but we've been around for long enough that we've changed a lot in that time. Mm -hmm. And who's to say what has been done in the past and has decayed and that we just no evidence of we you know we discount everything we can't really see that's what i would you know yeah. what i was saying the future selves thing but it's like you know there are so many things about the past we uncover so many archaeological things that we don't understand um it's possible that in a past version of ourselves we were more biologically advanced than we were technologically advanced, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. We, we did some things. I mean, look at animals. There's a lot of animals that do weird shit that we're like, you know, we still don't really get, we don't understand, you know, we try to understand it on a hormonal and a cellular level and stuff, but a lot of behaviors like monkeys murdering each other and stuff like, right. And we I try to relate, relate it to ourselves. <clears throat> there's no, I mean, you can relate it to another animal too, right. I guess, but. Right. Just trying to justify it. And you consider it weird, but you know, maybe we're the weird ones. Why exactly. We, we're weird because we don't kill. Right. <laughs> kill Murder is not a everyday part of our lives, you know? Well, <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it, it totally is. Um, and it, and it's like, you know, it's totally possible that you go back far enough. If you really could get in a time machine and head back into the past, maybe we did share some side of some sort of manifestation of a connection, you know, that was sort of invisible. Right. Um, and possibly that's why we're so successful as a species too. We were able to, to capitalize on that. And, but because we're so successful as a species, we, there's a lot of things we're losing that we've had previously. Teeth are a good example. I learned this in an archeology span class. It is, um, kind of known now that human beings teeth used to be very poked out. Like they, they uh -huh. were very forward. And it was because that's how we were eating and the things we were consuming were dictating that evolutionary trait. And over time, as we've started to cook food, our teeth have started doing this. And eventually if we continue on the path and Cur for curl those curling and, in, <laughs> yeah, curling in, like turn, turning inward and becoming smaller. Mm -hmm. Um, and if we continue down that path, we can't really assume that that path is linear, but if we continue down that path in a linear fashion, um, yeah, they'll just go away eventually. We won't need them or we'll need very few of them, mm -hmm. you know, um, or we'll only, we'll be like omnivores and we'll only need our molars because everything else is processed and we have this like technology, mm -hmm. you know, that, that allows us to eat food or we that, turn into cyborgs and we don't need exactly, consumption. Exactly. We feed off the sun or whatever. Right. Um, which might not I need, be I a need, bad a, I need a solar sandwich immediately. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, fuck. It's raining today. I'm going to starve. You know, whatever. I mean, that's what, that's what, uh, 
homeboy was saying on that podcast, like, um, you know, it, it could, it's very possible that we might be forced to make a decision for our own survival at some point. If our technology evolves so quickly that we unleash things we don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, do we, if, if faced with like either being obsolete and obliterated or making yourself useful to the new Supreme <laughs> right, overlords, right, becoming the slave, right. Or, or, you know, whatever that may mean. I mean, yeah. Existence versus non-existence. What, what are people going to choose? Yep. I mean, what if, you, what if you tried to kill yourself and they, th- we have the technology to revive you and now you have to live forever. Right. You can't kill yourself oh, and God. you're just, <laughs> oh, dude. that sounds terrible. Jesus. It's like, I mean, nothing, there's no safe haven anywhere. Like no. at that point, it's like, you can't even, death will not even save you from whatever misery, misery you might be experiencing. Yeah. You have the, the chip in your head that you can live forever. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm usually not one to be like, death sounds like a great idea, but once you get, (laughs) once you get a piece of news, like, well, it looks like we're fusing human bodies and the, uh, okay, let's (laughs) go sit in the garage with the car running for, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. But then again, I don't know, maybe be, maybe, maybe once you eliminate death and you eliminate that fear of death, all that other shit just goes away. It could, it could be, it could be a disastrous realization. Or it could be an, an enlightenment of some sort. Yeah. Imagine imagine a world where everybody all of a sudden finds out that there is no actual end. In a world yeah. where there's no end. Yeah. <laughs> this summer, <laughs> you thought you were safe. You were wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean... People murder and rape and pillage and visit suffering upon each other. And you, I mean, you got to wonder how much of that is a manifestation of some kind of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you take that away and you like, you literally take away death is like the ultimate kind of power that other human beings ha- hold over their fellow human beings. Yeah. Um, imagine taking that away. There's no more mutually assured destruction. War might still be waged, but it's not waged like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's a certain amount of resource. And, and, and the big fear is that, oh, if you can't die, someone's going to torture you forever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, would they, though? In reality, it takes a, it takes resources to do that. Yeah. Eventually, if you, if, I mean, they would have to give up eventually. So you have it, you would already know in your mind, like, well, this is going to end. I'm suffering right now. It's going to end at some point, you know? So, because they can't keep this shit up forever. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe they could, but I don't know. What, as is, a species, what is forever? As a species, we would quickly f- discover those people and probably figure something out. Oh, yeah. To do with them, mm-hmm. you know? Put them, now, put them in the black hole. Well, we couldn't kill them, obviously. Um, throw them in the black hole, man. We get get the spaceship going. Yeah, they get their own island. Launch them out there. Yeah. That's what I always say about people that the, the, the people that genuinely do want to watch the world burn, just go live on an island somewhere with other people that think the exact same way. Y'all can fuck each other up. Yep. Do whatever you want to. But some people enjoy their life and don't need that extra and you know, want everyone else to enjoy shit. their shit too. Yeah. Totally. 
I mean, why why would you not do that? You don't care, right? Right. So, fuck it. Go live on an island. Yeah, if your biggest problem Go is away. everyone else, and someone gives you a solution to where you don't have to deal with everyone else, just, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, man. Bye-bye. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of those people run the show, too. A lot of those kinds of people. In a way, yeah. They're running, not the show, but they're big cogs. Big cogs in a in a in an even bigger machine. Yeah. And I'm such a small cog and I feel so powerless sometimes to be like able to affect the world around me. You know, taking this all the way back to square one, music is the thing I think throughout my life that has made me feel at all like I can affect in some significant manner people around me and the world around me. Sure. Yeah. You know. In a positive way, I guess. Yeah. I mean I could fucking jump off a bridge and people would be sad but you know i don't know it's sometimes very sad to me that i don't get to do it as much as i used to because it's it provides me with a lot of self-gratification which sounds very masturbatory and it is totally is but masturbation but it's is awesome it's i'm gonna say that <laughs> self-masturbation is yeah. awesome yeah. i mean it's uh, ultimately it's happiness yeah. so happiness so <laughs> you want to yes. be happy and that's man, you gotta do you yeah man Ma- masturbate <laughs> yeah well it's getting a little late yeah i should probably head home you got kids to look after not only that but i am starving yeah i could go for some food i am i'm gonna have to i think i've got pizza waiting at home so i'm gonna go do that Pizza's always good yeah it's very bad for you but it makes you feel good happiness again <laughs> for a little while yeah. <laughs> okay well thanks for the chit chat man yeah thank you sir i appreciate the invite yes anytime sweet every time we'll do it again all right all right okay goodbye everyone rusty's escape pod rusty's escape pod